And hello, welcome everybody to the Tuesday show. My name is Jay Chenzor, and uh, I am joined once again by Mr. Brandon Brockman, aka is it tuberware or tubaware? Do you prefer? Someone actually asked me that question. Look, man. So the name is originally tubaware, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's that's what it's supposed to be. Okay. But as long as you don't call me turboware, we're good. <laughs> Tubo or tubo is fine. Because oh. the way it's spelled, it either makes sense. Oh, but thank you oh, for the sub, Atan the Genius. Yeah, I know. We just don't have the... We uh, forgot to get fine. David to switch that again. So, <laughs> again, it's just... But so yeah, as long as I'm not called turbo, we're good okay. to go. Yeah, just as an information for you guys, of course, uh, as obviously there's no David today, he is in the uh, midst of moving to a new apartment. I'm sure we'll talk a little more about that later on, thanks to Mr. Kazmer, but you know, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but uh, super tubo wear, I like that. There you go, super tubo. I can't even say super tubo because I've said super turbo so many times in exactly, my life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, but welcome to the Tuesday show. We've got a lot to talk about here today. As you can see here on the side over here, we've got Virtua Fighter Evo Community Series, which just announced, I think, today. Uh, and then we're yeah, going to yeah, have an today. interview with uh, Rich. What the hell? What am I doing? What I mean, I Rich, it's not, his name is Richard. It's not wrong. It's just, it's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I have never thought of him as a rich in like rich. I'm calling him rich from now on you just you just ruined Rick's life I'm gonna start I'm gonna start showing up at his door what's up rich <laughs> rich the hado uh yeah exactly nothing excess it's not wrong it's just wrong <laughs> yeah, so, Rick the hado thire and then we've got some uh five five matchup stuff to come up and then we're gonna talk about cpt brazil some community news and some other game news and a kind of a mailbag probably not but we'll see how this goes uh, but let's get into the first topic here and talk about the big news of the week which is an old game is back out but being the topic of the conversation everywhere now and that is virtual fighter 5 ultimate edition has been released uh obviously this is based off of virtual fighter 5 final uh a, a final showdown i call it ultimate edition it's actually called ultimate showdown here let's fix that here make sure i spell showdown not the samurai showdown way <laughs> um but uh it's based off of final showdown uh, but this release is a brand new release with um, improved visuals, uh, delay-absorbing netcode, <laughs> and Bruh. it comes with a cool DLC pack, which is only $10 right now. We'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second, but it is um, currently free for PlayStation Plus users. And uh, it's only available on PS4, PS5 right now, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Well, technically, it's only available on PS4, but mm. PS4 games are all playable on PS5, so right, it's right. fine. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was built. It was built from the ground up, apparently, in the Dragon Engine, so mm. that's why it's a much prettier game. Right. Which is, of course, but, what they use for Yakuza, right? The, yes, the, the Yakuza series. I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Um. 
But that's also part of why <laughs> people are upset that they didn't include rollback netcode because yeah. if you're going to use a whole new engine, and why wouldn't you? Yeah, redo the whole thing from scratch. Why wouldn't you take the time for it? Now, one of the reasons why that this is kind of a big topic of conversation right now is this rollback netcode. And there's been a lot of, you know, pretty heated talk about it. A lot of people, when they yeah. found out there wasn't going to be rollback netcode, were like, well, forget it. No, no rollback, no buy, you know, kind of things. And then there were people trying to defend it saying, let's see how it goes. That Virtua Fighter 5 on the PS3's netcode and the Xbox 360's netcode was actually really good you know, for its time. Uh, right. <laughs> and, um, you know, once the game came out, it came out to influencers. A bunch of people got a copy early. And when they played it, a lot of them said the net code was fantastic and you guys were worried about nothing. You were wrong, you know, kind of things. But now that the game is fully out and a lot of research and discussion has been made about the rollback, it sounds like it's turning out that uh, they're using a very interesting system to do rollback netcode. So uh, if you allow me the opportunity to kind of go on this long <laughs> explanation of how this works. Well, well, before, you, before you do that, did you watch Valerie Polari's video on that? Uh, no, I did not, they, actually. They completely broke it down. And like what Andre is not thinking of saying in the chat, it's basically just Kylera. Oh, interesting. That's basically what's going on under the hood. So, I mean, do we know exactly how Kylera worked? What What's the way that Kylera did everything? Don't ask me. I have no idea. <laughs> I have not watched that video. But I only knew about that video because Andres is in a group chat of mine and we uh, were talking okay. about it. Yeah, so this is what I understand. And from what Andres is saying in the chat, this is, it, 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 uh, it vibes with what I've, gleaned from all the information and from discussing with a lot of people. So the way netcode normally works is you have a server that is responsible for all the matchmaking. And so basically when people are searching for matches, there's a server out there that gets all the match requests and goes, hmm, let me see, who do I pair you up with? Okay, you're coming from this region, let me find you someone close, let me do this stuff and blah, blah, blah. Okay, you guys need to connect. So here's the information, here's how you connect. And then what happens is the two players who are connected to each other, they're initially talking to a server, but then they disconnect from the server and connect to each other directly and they establish a peer-to-peer -peer connection. And this is basically how most fighting games work, which is why when you're playing against somebody else for most fighting games, if they are on Wi-Fi, if they are downloading 700 things on their computer at the same time, if they are living in an area with just garbage, you know, Boonie netcode provider, Boonie's netcode provider, your experience is terrible because it's you two connecting together, right? And so what this is doing here, so that connection right there can be delay based. It can also be rollback netcode, depending on how you want to, you know, depending on which one you've decided to implement. Now, recently, all of us have been doing something like playing Parsec online, right? <laughs> and what Parsec is essentially doing is it's kind of mimicking what, you know, CSGO, League of Legends, all that stuff is doing, right? 
And what it's doing is it, it has a host server, which actually keeps track of the state of the game. And the two people connecting don't connect direct to each other, or the players, I should say, don't connect to each other. They connect to the server. The server has the state of the game and relays the information of what the state of the game is supposed to be to the two end users, and that controls everything over there. For games like CSGO or League of Legends, where you have 10 players or 8 players connected to a machine, this makes sense. You don't want any, you can't have them all connecting to each other. So one server determines the state of the game. Now, that's essentially what VF5 is doing, right? So what's happening is they are using relay servers and the players are not actually connecting directly to each other. They're connecting to the relay server. So your state is controlled by this relay server. What this actually ends up doing is that this creates, a, a, it can obfuscate the bad quality netcode of the other player because your connection to the relay server determines your connection. Right. Does this make sense so far? This makes sense. I, I, you, you wanted to go off. I'm listening. <laughs> All right. You said you, you have permission to go off. I'm letting you go. All off. right. Cool. So basically, your experience is going to be based off of your connection to the relay server. So let's say I live in New York, and I connect to a New York server. My connection is going to be godlike, and it doesn't matter who I play against. If I'm matched through the New York Relay server, if the person that I'm matched against is playing in South America, in Alaska, or in California, or also New York, and if I'm being connected through the New York Relay server, they're all connecting to the New York Relay server. Their experience is going to be based on their distance from the New York Relay server, but mine will not change because uh, we're connecting to one server, basically. I'm not connecting directly to the uh, other player. Uh, so basically, if I'm in New York and I'm connecting to New York, all of my matches are gonna be godlike, no matter who I play against. The problem with this is that it's gonna be largely based off where Google sets up their servers. And I want to bring this up here because I don't know where these <laughs> pictures came from. I don't know uh, where these things came from, uh, but there was this picture here. I'm going to put on the screen for you guys over here. This is a picture that apparently shows where all of the relay servers are. Blam. There we go. So this came from uh, this Twitter account over here. And here are the relay servers right now. Now, according to this, the blue ones are the future ones that are going to be showing up eventually. The purple ones are the ones that already exist. So basically, your distance from these servers are going to determine your netcode quality. So in other words, if you live in Africa, you're screwed. <laughs> and if you live in South America, everybody's going to be connecting to Brazil. Now... However, there was also an updated picture of this, which I'm going to bring up now. Whoops. Uh, which apparently now looks like this. 
So this is apparently currently what the state of the servers are. So there's actually an extra one in Santiago, Chile, uh, as well. And it looks like the blue ones are active and maybe the white ones are being spun up or something like that. But basically what this ends up is we are still using delay-based netcode. This is what I've been talking to uh, people who go in Parsec all the time about. Oh my God, I just erased TubaWare from existence. Where did you go? Why did you disappear? What happened? Are you still there? I, I am here now. I don't know if you oh, can okay. hear me or not. My Discord uh, crashed. Oh, <laughs> okay. So well, you didn't erase me. Discord is still struggling right now. Okay, so. okay. Did you see the new picture that I showed over here? This one? Oh, I, I didn't know. I, I, I It all crashed. I'm trying to load up your stream now, and it's not letting me. Oh, okay, okay. Well, here's so, the picture yeah, that I loaded up. This is where the servers are apparently based right now uh, in for Sega's servers right here. These are all based off of Google's Google Cloud. So it, like I said, it's kind of like Parsec, except they can afford better servers and spend a lot more money on these things here. And so basically your distance from the servers are going to determine your net quality here, your, your, uh, your quality of gameplay here. So what's going to happen is depending on where you're connected to. Now, just because you live in New York and you're next to a New York server, that doesn't mean you're going to get connected to New York from my understanding. If you play against someone in California, what they'll do is they'll try to split the difference, connect you to perhaps Iowa to put you in between to give you both the equal kind of experience as uh possible. Wow, there's even more up-to-date Twitter, <laughs> I mean, images? Dang, that's crazy, okay. But, okay, so from what I've talked about so far, and for those in the stream who actually have a better understanding, has my description been fairly accurate so far? Has my description been fairly accurate? Um, but yeah, Tubo is frozen right now, so... Oh my god. Oh my god. Tubo. Tubo. Oh my god. <laughs> oh man. Whoops. Uh so well I'll keep ranting about this while we try to get Tubo back into this mix over here. Ah things are happening over here. Strange things are afoot, the circle K. All right, so here's basically what's going on here. So that determines your connection quality. So for example, people in Africa right now, if they get the game, they're screwed, right? They can't play much. If you are in South America, your connections are probably not gonna be particularly strong. However, if you play against other people in South America, at least your distance to Sao Paulo is probably going to be, or Santiago, are going to be the extent of you know your your distance. Now, people in South America have already talked about how their internet connection is already not particularly strong, so that's not going to be great. What's interesting to me, and I should probably put it, um, I should probably put some uh, more timer on here because this is a long discussion here. You're back, back. baby. A I dinosaur story. I did it. Oh, you sound fuzzy though. Oh no. Thank you for the follow, Shock85! Do I, do I sound better now? No, you still sound... You sound like a robot right now. Uh, my, uh, my computer's not having a good time right now. <laughs> 
actually, this is pretty sick. I'm going to go ahead and keep talking like this. I think this is actually pretty sick right now. <laughs> All right, well, here I am talking away, really mad at Discord and my computer. It's just all sorts of screwed up. For yeah, no we, need, we, need, we need relay servers. Now, what's interesting about this, and I was having a discussion with my stream about this last night, this cannot be cheap for Sega to be able to maintain this many servers all around the world, unless they have some sort of crazy deal with Google, this can't be cheap. Maintaining all these servers is going to be pretty expensive, right? That's, that's kind of my thought process on this, is that it's gonna be expensive. And for me, what that means is that I'm a little concerned because all this money that they're spending with these servers, I feel like they could have spent it developing rollback netcode. <laughs> and I it, mean, how do I sound? Do I, do I still sound like you're good time? now? You, you're good now. All right. Thank goodness, man. Ugh. Right now. Anyways, what what people are what I was talking about is that I feel like it's expensive to maintain these servers, and I feel like they could have used that money to, to develop rollback netcode <laughs> in their game. Now. What a lot of people say, of course, is true. They've probably had these servers up for a very long time, right? These have probably existed. Uh, you know, my, my concern also is that, you know, if for any reason these servers do become to the point where they're not as uh, profitable, you know, it's, it's easier to end of life games like this, right? Whereas something like Street Fighter 4, their server side is purely for matchmaking, which isn't going to be as resource intensive. Since all the connections are peer to peer, they can just leave that up for a very, very long time. Um, but. So, uh, I mean, not, not to interrupt, but. Uh... I'm not sure they're actually paying for those servers the same way you would a Google Cloud server. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm very certain that they have a much better deal than any civilian could get, for <laughs> sure. So I don't know if we could equate those server costs yeah. to yeah. developing rollback. However, I've seen a lot of people in chat. Uh, I, I, I love this argument because... Usually what it amounts to is they just don't know what they're talking about and I get to look smart. But I like I like when people say uh, rollback is too expensive to develop. It takes too much time. And I love when people say it's too much effort to put into old games because we have several examples of companies that don't have a lot of money and may even be like a two to three person team that have great rollback netcode. That then, have gone back into old games and added it. It's just, it's, guys, these aren't real excuses for not having rollback in your game. Right. If Punch Planet, I think that's a three or a four man team. If Punch Planet has the amazing netcode, it does. There's no excuse for AAA devs to not do it. <laughs> period. Period. Yeah. Period, period, period. So, period. There's no, nothing else to it, guys. There's no other argument you can make. I'm sorry you're wrong. Well, it's so, not as hard as you think it is, and it's not as expensive as expensive as you think it is. Right. So uh, that is like you're right. All, it is not as hard as you think it is. Hi-Fi, a one-man team, 
put it into yeah. footsies, right? Now, absolutely. to be fair, uh, VF5, they redid the graphics. Doesn't necessarily mean they rewrote the entire engine. So remember, putting it into older games isn't necessarily that easy. It's definitely easier with a lot of the 2D games because save states and stuff like that are a little bit easier. It's not super straightforward. It will take time. But the thing is, there's so many people out there now with a lot of that experience, right? All you have to do is just like hire the right people to to come in and, and do the work. <laughs> and right. um, uh, I mean, maybe maybe Sega did try and they just couldn't find anyone to do it. Like maybe they did try. We don't know. Right. You know, like like at the end of the day, we we don't know. Maybe it was important to them and they may do the best they could. Like I I'm not trying to shit on Sega because mm -hmm. they don't have rollback. I'm just saying that people are. They make assumptions, or they'll see someone tweet something once, and they assume it's true, and they just roll back with it. Right. <laughs> they mean, just keep going. It's too expensive. It's Those aren't the real reasons, guys. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the best person to talk to right now is probably Zynak, who in the chat just say, yeah, it's work, but it's work that should be done. Right. And, and, and that's the thing. And, and again, you know, I also want to go back to the point of, you know, the servers being around there. It's expensive for Sega to maintain them. It's also true that a lot of these servers are probably also the servers they use for Fantasy Star Online for all anything online that they have. They're probably right. using these servers already. So it's, you know, it's reused resources. So it's not bad. But as someone else said, it's like trying to build a better mousetrap when all the mice are already eradicated, right? I mean, you're trying to solve a problem that we already have a solution to. And, you know, w why leave it to fate on how far away you live from a server when if you do peer-to-peer -peer with the rollback logic, you know you can still have an amazing experience. Guilty Gear Strive has already shown us uh, how amazing the experience can actually be. Um, yeah, I, I mean, and I mean, Strive is kind of on its own level of Neko right now. <laughs> I, it's yeah. pretty untouchable. Yeah. But, uh, like, Fighting Fang in the, in the chat just said, why are people excusing this from Virtual Fighter when everybody yelled at Arxis to go back and put roll back into the game and then Arxis did it. <laughs> Arxis did it. They were like, we're gonna delay the game and it's gonna take longer, but you guys want it, so you guys get it. And look how it turned out. It's incredible. Right. So yeah, why are people giving Sega this 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 benefit of the doubt? Why are people like why are why are people being forced to just go, well it's okay when Arc System Works got, you know, their their shit reamed out and it turned out for the better. I I don't know. It's just, the, yeah. It's so a bit here's the it's a bit weird. Here's the reason why, and, and and I honestly believe that this is the answer to that question. It's because <sighs> Virtual Fighter has had quite a shit life in the U.S. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Virtual That's... Fighter fans are just basically like, come on, man. Like they're the one that have crawled out from the gutter and like they have like, like they're the, they're the, the main, the mangy dog basically that has been ignored by the owner and tied in the backyard forever. And people are being like, well, you know what? This dog, you know, can't play fetch. So forget it. You know, like, you know, it's like, 
that's kind of how people are right now. And so a lot of people are frustrated with that. And again, Virtual Fighter is free. It's not technically free. It's free if you have PS Plus, which means if you don't have PS Plus, you have to buy it still. And then once it's off PS Plus, it won't be free anymore. So you still have to pay for it, but it's free if you already sign up for something else, which is a good yeah. deal, by the way, which is a great deal. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but still, not technically free, but... The whole thing about it is that, you know, I just, I get it. I get where the VFI fans are coming from. They're, they, they want this to succeed. And, you know, I've been talking with some people in, on my Twitter about this, about, you know, being negative about games. I put out a tweet that I'm like, I'm really sad that Virtual Fighter Five doesn't have rollback. And then all these people were like, oh, really? I'm not buying it. Oh, well, screw this game. This sucks. And I was like, damn, what have I done? <laughs> You know? Yeah, I, I I I made I made one comment on uh, Damon, who used to work for Capcom. He he said a, something about there's no excuse not to play Virtual Fighter now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want to play a game without rollback. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Well, go play offline. And then tons of like my followers started bombarding Damon, like going after him. I'm like, Yo, chill, guys. Like he just <laughs> is saying to play a video. Chill. It's not that big of a deal. Right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, anything to say about the DLC before we move on, James? Uh, uh, the one thing about the DLC I just want to say is that uh, the DLC is pretty sick. Uh, so uh, the way that they have it set up right now is that it's free on PlayStation Plus. Uh, if you guys do want to support them and spend $10 on this, you can do that. I, I know I'm going over time a little bit, but I know we're trying to also bide a little time so that, you know, Rick can make it to the stream and everything like that. So I'm okay with going over just a little bit. The whole point being is that, look, the game is out. I tried it yesterday. It looks great. It plays very nicely. A lot of people are having great experience with the netcode. So if you can give it a shot for free on PS Plus, try it for yourself. See what the fuss is all about. This game is very lauded. It's been praised as one of the greatest fighting games, if not one of the most purest, you know, the most pure footsies, fundamental fighting games. You know, everybody says that, but every fighting game has jank. Let's just be honest. But, you know, uh, definitely give it a shot, right? Don't let... All this discussion on rollback netcode, all this stuff. If you have PS Plus and you can try it for free, try it for free. Test it out yourself. If you happen to live next to one of the servers and you get awesome connections, hey, you <laughs> may find a game that you love, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, awesome. there is a deal, $10 DLC pack. So this game is like Tekken. It has a lot of customization options. For this $10 DLC pack, you get 2,000 customization items. Uh, a lot of these are just the same things in different colors, though, however. Uh, but you do get 19 costumes. Uh, you get the VF1 models for every character. Uh, 38, so I think of the 19 characters, they have player one and player two colors for every character. You get the Virtua Fighter 1 Jackie stage. You get the Virtua Fighter 1 battle UI. You get 180 background music tracks from various Virtua Fighter games. And you get 36 stamps for spectator mode. So I'm assuming what that means is while you're playing spectator mode, you have the ability to just throw up stamps onto the screen for other people spectating. And such like that. So it's actually kind of a cool idea for ten dollars, honestly. So not bad. Yeah. yeah, if you guys want to support it, go on and do that. 
Yeah. So, like I said, give it a shot. And uh, if it does, because, uh, uh, again, another thing, too, is that this is important for breeding the interest for the game. This could be that a test. That is not true. Don't spread that lie, James. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't spread that lie. That's not how game dev works. You're not right. even a little bit. It's true. Not it's even true. a little bit. Okay, don't okay, lie. Okay. Fair enough. Fair don't, enough. Don't get, don't get people excited. Look, guys, if they were planning to do a Virtual Fighter 6, it would be four to five years in the future, and this game would not be determining if they're going to make it or not. They were already <laughs> going to do it. Uh, don't do that to people because people right. do that with marvel all the time and i i have the same argument with them <laughs> you've been burned too many times in the past too many times man <laughs> i i i i have too many friends friends too many friends in game dev to believe that that's how game dev works yeah no, like I, right. I i know better trust you're, me. you're absolutely right about that one so uh but yeah in any case give it a shot if you can if you have ps plus it's free yeah um, for sure I, try it out it's free download it yeah. play it all right. All right, Evo. Evo Community Series. So for the longest of time, we had no idea if Evo was happening this year. We hadn't heard anything about it. The only thing that we had heard is that it was now part of a Sony thing, that Sony had bought out Evo. And Sony has been running a lot of the PlayStation tournament series. And so just really curious to see what they were planning to do with it. Well, we finally got news today <laughs> so we finally got it announced and evo is going to have uh basically it's going to be in like two phases one giant phase and one small phase basically but it's going to be running from june 10th so not this weekend but basically starting next weekend all yeah, the way like to what's that so yeah i'm like nine days they're, they're starting their, their yeah tournaments. And then all the way till August 15th, there are $74,000 in cash in cash prizes, or I should just say in prizes, that will be rewarded for the first phase, which are three like stages of tournaments, basically. So to describe this, from June 10th to June 22nd is going to be FGC Arcade Edition is what they call it. FGC Arcade Edition. This is going to involve Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, Guilty Gear Strive, Mortal Kombat 11, Tekken 7, but will only be taking place in North America and the Europe region. And there is okay. $20,000 $20, worth of prizes for this first sub-phase, I guess you want to call it. Again, there's not a lot of details. So the details are very vague. So the what way I'm it was written was very confusing. Yeah, yeah, it was not a great blog post. What I'm saying right now is definitely <laughs> take it for definitely maybe yeah. true. This is my interpretation of things. Okay, from June 26th to July 13th, there's the Evo warm-up rounds. Here we have $19,000 in prize pool, and it'll also have Guilty Gear Strive, Mortal Kombat 11, and Tekken 7, but instead of Granblue Fantasy Versus, Street Fighter V Champion Edition will be added to this one. And this will take place in North America, Europe, as before, but also a Latin America region, a Middle East region, and an Asia region. So this one is going to be uh, involved for more people. Then on July 8th, so this starts while the other one is still going. From July 8th to August 3rd, there's going to be the Evo side tournaments. 
And uh, this is $35,000. Yeah, $35,000 prize pool with Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle, Dragon Ball Fighters, Granblue Fantasy Versus, Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme Versus Maxi Boost ON, Skullgirls Second Encore, Soul Calibur 6, and Undernight in birth exe late clr and this one will take place in the same five regions as before north america europe latin america middle east asia and then an extra japan because i guess japan is not asia uh, yeah not i guess so weird <laughs> can i weird say, maybe that's a typo i don't know that's what it says on I, the blog that's super strange all right sure whatever and uh Someone has requested that I read the Gundam name again. So it's Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme versus Maxi Boost ON or ON, whatever it is. So there you go. <laughs> now, what's interesting about this is they said that after that, on the weekend of August 6th through 8th and August 13th through 15th, that is the, how did they describe it here? They described it as Evo 2021 online. Yeah, so, that's that's real Evo. Right. So That's this, the real Evo we're getting this year. Yeah, so that's the real Evo. But that literally, I think, is all we have. So the only thing it says in this, in this post is, ready to showcase your skills on a global stage? Registration for EVO 2021 online opens today. Entry is free and aspiring champions in North America, Europe, Asia, and Latin America can sign up to compete with the world's longest running fighting game competition at EVO.GG. And when I click on EVO.GG, it says the featured games are Street Fighter V, Tekken 7, Guilty Gear Strive, and Mortal Kombat 11. And it says register yep. for free now. So we can register. It's all there on... Uh, on smash.gg but it seems like it's only going to be those four games uh well actually it also lists them fighting her oh no that's a that's a different one over there okay but yeah for the main evo 2021 it sounds like it's going to be those four games and you know why that is james why is that because those games have fantastic netcode <laughs> and they're relevant <laughs> yeah that's why now the interesting thing, though, is that this is stated about the first three sub-phases. You know, those phases that I talked about, the FGC Arcade Edition, the EVO warm-up rounds, and the EVO side tournament. Who was that? Thanks for the follow, Paul Brown! Okay, um, but apparently these will only be played on PS4. Because all three of those phases say that a PS Plus account is required. Okay. So, yeah, if I scroll down here, let me see here. Oh, that's not the thing. Where did the thing... Oh, it's this one here. I gotta scroll back over here. So, yeah, it says on all of them, active PS Plus membership is required for those first three events. So apparently those first three ones are only, they basically count as part of the PlayStation tournament series that they've been running all along. So these three pre-Evo events are basically PlayStation tournaments cross Evo. And so you have to play them on the PlayStation 4. So for those, for to, to, to get into the prize money for all of that stuff, that's the situation that you have to do, so. Sure. Go. I, if you say so. 
like I said, all this stuff is really confusing, and it came out when I was working, so I didn't really read through it like super hardcore. But I skimmed it, and mm-hmm. what I skimmed was yeah, it was confusing. It was not well written. It wasn't easy to intake. Right. It was a lot of information all at once too. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, whatever. It's there now. We got it. Yeah, so I mean, like some people in the chat are saying, like these events are kind of like warm ups for Evo. So they're, you know, like, yeah, it kind of sucks if you don't have a PlayStation, but you know, they're throwing stuff and we're getting events. So <laughs> hopefully you'll be able yeah. to uh, enjoy. I mean, you know, like I said, free to enter, might as well play it, have some fun in fighting games. So, but then the main event is going to be uh, in August. And expanding two weekends. So Should did I cool. have anything else to say about this? Nope, that's all I've got so far for this. I'm sure we'll get more information in the future and hopefully... Some- I, I, I do want to point out real quick, though. I did notice that they're touting a lot of prize money. Oh, you see $74,000. Mm-hmm. If you guys go on the rules and you look at the actual payout, the payouts are pretty low because it's spread between several... All right, different yeah. region. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just hope that people aren't coming in thinking that they're going to win $74,000 <laughs> if they win the event because you're actually going to win about $400. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean... Keep that in mind. I mean, like, it is a lot of money overall. It's just the way it's distributed doesn't really turn out to uh, be so, for the winner. Thanks for the follow, Mr. Bear Bossus. So basically what that means is that each region that they listed, they're having their own separate tournament then, right? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And, you know, that that's the rule of thumb, right? You talk about the total prize pool because that definitely gives it a little more prestige and, and, and sounds, uh, yeah, sounds, sounds spicier. <laughs> but, um, okay. Uh, anything else to say well, about that? I have nothing else. I signed up for Guilty Gear, but honestly, I, I'd rather commentate it. So hopefully, I get hired for that. That would be dope. Yep. Uh, but so. if not, I'm just gonna win the tournament. So either way, <laughs> either way, I win. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, the best. I forgot. For you may win the tournament, right? So I'm gonna toast you, Geki, my ass all the way to top eight. <laughs> Well, but, uh, little did you know yeah. that I'm going to enter Guilty Gear as well. So you've got to do... De- no, I'm just kidding. I probably won't enter. Uh, you should. Oh, uh, man. All why right. not? You get to play from home. Why wouldn't you? And then that goes amazing. Yeah, it's kind of true. If the netcode doesn't Make turn out... Make content, to- James. Content, baby. You gotta put your <laughs> tournament run out there. So you do. You're you not... the whole thing live. You're not wrong, man. <laughs> You're not wrong. I'll see how I do once the game comes out. I'll see how I do when I play online after it comes out. So, oh, man. Should we, uh, should we go on break and get Rick in here and all that? Yep, let's do that. So we'll be right back, guys. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have Rick the Hotto Thire on here. Rich. To, to, to Rich the Hotto, <laughs> man, to talk all about the Look Alive, Combo Breaker Presents Look Alive event that happened this weekend. So uh, don't go anywhere. And you know what? The guy just has th- just gobs of insight and super interesting things to say. So you don't definitely don't want also, to miss this. Also, James is scared of him, so you really don't want to miss it. <laughs> I am. I'm actually kind of scared of him, to be honest with you. But we'll be right back. All right. Uh-huh. 
Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Tuesday show. And we are going to just go straight into our interview to talk to one of the most important people in the fighting game community right now, uh, doing all the good work. And that is, of course, Mr. <laughs> Rich Thayer here. Uh, Rick, Rick Thayer. Uh, of course, you guys probably all know him as one of the strongest Killer Instinct players of all time, but you should also know him as uh, the man who brought us Combo Breaker. Rick, how are you doing? I mean, I'm doing great. You're starting the interview with ego fluffery that is absolutely not deserved, so <laughs> it could be worse. Um... You know, uh, before we talk about Look Alive, I know this is something that David likes to talk about uh, for a lot of people, but, um, you know, as I had mentioned, I really honestly do feel like you're one of the most important people to the fighting game community right now. And what's really uh, always a fascinating question is, how did you get into the fighting game community? What drew you to this to this dysfunctional group? <laughs> uh I could beat my brother in Street Fighter, which was exceptionally important. So then I thought I could beat other people in Street Fighter, which was poorly placed ego. Went to a tournament, got my ass kicked, had to keep going back because getting one's ass kicked is not an appropriate outcome. <laughs> Ten years later, we're here. So it was pretty organic for you then, huh? You just started and just never stopped, basically. I used to spend pretty much every waking hour before and after class or before and after work playing online, not understanding how awful that experience actually is, <laughs> then going offline, knowing how awful the online experience is, and then having to go offline over and over again on a regular basis to actually play the game properly. Right, right. And, I mean, obviously, you're the TO of Combo Breaker now, which many players and, you know, attendees have said is their favorite and, you know, without question, the best fighting game event it's out the there. the best. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, curiously, how did you get into that role? Because I know a lot of it kind of came from UFGT and, and working with Keats. Is that true? Or, you know, like, because you kind of took over the reins from Keats after he stopped UFGT and you decided to take over and do Combo Breaker as kind of an extension. How did your role get into this TO direction? So the short version of that story is I started running tournaments in my garage because I wasn't able to get to locals on time. Um, <laughs> that quickly led to a combination of people destroying the toilet in my house, literally. <laughs> at which point, uh, because I was living with my wife, you don't get to throw tournaments at home anymore. <laughs> so we started throwing tournaments at a local comic shop, a uh, couple of local bars, a couple of other places. Spun that up into going to the Focus Fire tournament in La Crosse, Wisconsin, in the middle of a blizzard. We actually had to push our car to get to the venue. Um, at that tournament, I met Keats. We wound up talking about general tournaments and the structure of the community and how to do things better for lack of any real understanding around that topic at the time. Um, wound up going to UFGT, enjoyed that tournament, went home, through the first combo breaker, which is no longer considered the first combo breaker as it was a tournament in New Brighton, Minnesota at a bowling alley. Um, that's easily one of the worst tournaments I've ever run <laughs> and hopefully will be the worst tournament I ever run. I can remember none of it. Uh, we did just about everything you could do wrong twice. 
Uh, after that, I wound up working with Keats at UFGT. That spun up over the years into working relationships with a bunch of other people around the country. When he retired the Ultimate Fighting Game Tournament Series, that was going to leave a pretty significant hole for what had become the large format fighting game tournament in Illinois. That was the only one my friends back in Minnesota and I actually would drive to mm -hmm. or go to annually. So pretty much decided that couldn't happen. Looped up with Curly W, uh, Gaming Generations crew, set up the first combo breaker, and it's gone from there. Dang. I mean, because you kind of hit the ground running with the first combo breaker. It was already pretty big, and, and I remember it was already of pretty large scale. I mean, how much bigger was that than, like, the previous largest thing that you had ever run? So that first combo breaker in Minnesota was actually a little bit shy of 700 people. Oh, dang. Because it was mostly a Call of Duty tournament. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the number of people at that first CB were 1,200-ish or something. I'm mm -hmm. sure Curly's in the chat with the right numbers somewhere, and we can look it up later. But that was a jump from what we'd done, but it didn't feel as bad big of a jump as it could have going from the garage to CB1. Right. Um, it, it worked out pretty well. We still did an incredible amount of things wrong. I still hadn't learned to sleep at a tournament yet, so I can still remember very little of it. Are you, allowed, than, are you allowed to sleep as a TO at a tournament? <laughs> the first rule of being a TO, if you don't have staff capable of giving you the time to sleep, you can't do your job right. If you are brain fried for the entirety of the day, one of your primary purposes on site is customer relations and solving problems. Both of those things take patience and often creativity. So if you're brain dead, you suck. Just flat out. Okay. Nice. Um, did you have anything you wanted to ask uh, before I start getting into the look alive portion, Tubo? Uh, where's Tira? Sleeping 12 feet on the other side of that wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, don't get too excited, Henrik. Don't make her <laughs> this, this, this will not be the uh, Tasty Steve impression. Yeah, yeah no, there you no, go. Let's not do that. First thing, you know, so obviously you've done a lot. And like I mentioned, Combo Breaker has been largely regarded as one of the favorite tournaments for community. You guys have supported a lot of the smaller games and everything like that. Um, and then, of course, the pandemic happened. You weren't able to do Combo Breaker last year. Uh, was it even the previous year you were? How many Combo Breakers have we missed now? I cannot keep uh, track of do, time. We missed 2020 and 2021 now. Missed two. Okay, okay. So it's, it sucks. it's the two. But for last year, you know, you had uh, a cool idea. You streamed a lot of classic content last year but this year you decided to do something different with look alive and uh go ahead and you know i'll let you describe what look alive is all about but also let us know how you came up with the idea for this so combo breaker was inspired by warp tour which is something i've talked about before where mm -hmm. if you're going to take a bunch of games a bunch of people a bunch of experiences and put them in a wrapper that's kind of what our goal has been and so coming off of not being able to run CB in 2020, having already done a retrospective, so we can't recycle that idea because laziness is bad. <laughs> we have to fall back on the fact that Combo Breaker, since day one, has just been about showcasing games, trying to give people an opportunity to play games, and trying to get enough players to come together under 
some rallying banner that it can carry forward. And so during the pandemic, the only people keeping the community moving are online tournament organizers and content creators while we all sit around stuck at home, hopefully with games with good net code, but that's <laughs> a small number overall. So the best thing that we can do is try to give them limelight so that our brand still has utility this year, mm -hmm. but also try to answer the question of where do I play? Because you can walk around the community, you can go around social media, and that's still a primary question for huge chunks of people who are either new to fighting games or getting into a different fighting game mm -hmm. that we can try to answer. So take all that, throw it in a blender, you get look alive. No. So when you were coming up with the, the concept, I mean, I, I was part of it, James, I, I know you mm -hmm. were as well. Um, I know many of like the, 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 not the host, but whatever you would consider my position was where I was visiting these local, visiting these local, not even local, these local online, like subsections <laughs> of the FCC. Uh, what, how did you guys come up with, with that idea? Where did that come from? So when you go to a festival, there's always a few stages. Sometimes they're themed, sometimes they're not. A lot of them have hosts. And the purpose of that is there's going to be a ton of bands that you probably haven't heard of. Mm -hmm. And so how do you get someone to check that out? Usually you take a personality or an experience that you think you're going to enjoy or that you are predisposed to understand. And then that person or that experience goes, this is dope. Check this out. Mm -hmm. And so if we take a couple of community members that are well known for all the offline events they've been part of, have them introduce a local scene, introduce a local commentator, set up two players that the local commentator has all the info on. So the person that you are accustomed to hearing from is actually the tourist. Mm -hmm. Now that person is a surrogate for the chat room, surrogate for the viewership, hopefully is going to carry through now to that match in a positive way. Sure. Hmm. Interesting. So it's interesting because, you know, Combo Breaker, a lot of FGC events, actually, it might just be, you know, particularly Combo Breaker, East Coast Throwdown. There's definitely a lot of musical influence, and you've been talking a lot, you know, you've been hinting at a lot of that as well. Did you have a lot of experience, like, organizing, like, music festivals or anything like that in the past? Nah, I put together one failed battle of the bands because I knew a bunch of musicians coming out of high school and then realized I was bad at that, didn't want to do to that, <laughs> and just attended as many as I could. Okay, I, uh, okay. I lived at local concert venues. I went to every festival that I could afford gas to get to, many that I couldn't. Um, so that's just kind of stayed with me my whole life. Right. I'm friends with a bunch of musicians. That's interesting. So, I mean, do you feel like there is a lot of parallel between that kind of... Uh, you know, uh, that industry, I guess you can call it, you know, the music, touring, bands, stages, all that stuff. Do you, do you feel like that there's a lot in parallel with the fighting game community? I think any industry that's rooted in fandom, you can find parallels to the fighting game community. Any industry that's rooted in competition, you can find parallels with the fighting game community. Do I think it's a neat kind of 50-50 spread? No. But if we want to itemize down 45 minutes of philosophical conversation, can we make that? <laughs> Sure. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, um, so obviously Look Alive happened this last weekend. You planned for two days. It sounded like you had more content than you, than you expected and ended up uh, bringing it to three days. I know as a TO, you're never, you're all, like, 
that's how artists are. When they look at their own work, all they see are the flaws. But trying to put that aside, how did you feel the event went? And, you know, what, like, did you feel like it was a success? Did you feel like it accomplished what you were trying to do? I mean, Look Alive was an experiment. And as a proof of concept, I think it did very well. Did it generate the kind of viewership that we would hope it could? No. Did it generate enough interest in what we were doing for enough people to support the merch store that we put together that the show paid for itself? Yes. So it's a great example of instead of chasing hundreds of thousands of casual fans or casual viewers, can we put together a thousand quote unquote true fans who are just interested in exactly what you're doing are excited by exactly what you're doing and will support that thing. And in this case, we achieved that. So I'm very, very interested at this point on how can we iterate and refine this? How can we make this a better showcase for all the people that were part of it? How do we increase the funnel from Combo Breakers, big brand presence in the fighting game community and get that back down onto all of the people that were on air this weekend? Because mm -hmm. if we can achieve all of those things and we can make it self-sustainable, we can do this every year. So in other words, you know, one of the things that you closed the stream out with was, you know, Combo Breaker will be back in 2022. Yes. Are you still planning to do a look alive then next year as well? Is that in the problem? Or is it way too early to talk about? And you don't want to think about it right now because all you want to do is right sleep. now, Rick. Spill the beans, <laughs> goddammit. We want to know. I think anytime that we do a show that doesn't just objectively fail and we do something that creates a positive response, what this show did, uh, half of my Twitter feed after the Skullgirls exhibitions was just, okay, where's friend John? Where's Viva? Where's Duck? Can we replicate that one time, two times, three times, a hundred times? And as long as that answer stays yes, keep doing it. Because the entire back end of the show is just giving a, the community a spotlight. That's our purpose anyways. So, yeah, if, unless something drastic happens in the next couple of days and my napkin math is really, really wrong, <laughs> we do this again. Awesome. Now... For you personally, what was some of your favorite segments from Look Alive? Like, what were some of the ones that made you most proud to be able to put on this event, you know, and give certain besides things Besides when James and I were on screen, obviously. I mean, <laughs> very clearly, those are your favorite parts. But besides right. those. Um, it's an easy two, honestly. The first one is that we got thousands of people to watch TMNT X Justice League. <laughs> as that game continues development and those types of just Mugen entertainments and community products, they mean a lot to me. And as a TMNT fan to begin with, that's just great. Uh, the second one that sticks out is we got Mike 2600 to do a DJ routine. Mm -hmm. And I've known Mike for years. He runs in a circle with a guy that I'm still friends with from high school. And we share a lot of overlapping interests in art and music, but we'd never done anything together. Ooh. And so I hit him up to do a scratch routine here, and he hadn't heard the Third Strike soundtrack before. <laughs> I sent him a bunch of game soundtracks, because everybody was trying to just, uh, it's always fair to say, but everybody was just trying to do old Street Fighter over and over again. And we already had that routine from Scratch Bastard that mm -hmm. you're not going to do better than that for right. Street Fighter 2. And so he went through a couple of different games and he kept coming back and he went, I don't know, man, a lot of this is great, but I need the funk. And finds Third Strike, which is just mostly funk. Right. And 
worked perfectly. So that was great. Ultimizers and Static Alphas are great for the same reason, although they both knew and loved the games that they worked with. Those moments mean a lot to me because they're a bunch of just different interests and different people that I know kind of converging on one idea. Uh, if you want my absolute favorite moment, though, personally, is that we finally found the Sarv archive. And so you got Sarv's <laughs> All-Star Sunday night for the uh, unofficial after party. And we got director's commentary from Sarv, and you've got Obama there riling him up for a couple hours. Like That, to me, if I'm a tune on a stream, that's what I want to watch. That was Yeah, I was going to say, that was definitely my favorite part of the whole weekend, including when I was on stream. Uh, but yeah, director's <laughs> cut of that was amazing. Now, I mean, where where do you find footage like that? I mean, was it just on a hard drive somewhere, just chilling? So, Callisto aired Sarvitz All-Stars originally, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and his hard drive was just bodied at the end of the weekend, so it's gone. Mm -hmm. But what we didn't realize is that a couple of people had archived some of that footage, had grabbed some of the streams, because Phil Nolan made the uh, six-minute documentary with the comedic bent that he put together for the kind of fake ESPN look through. Yeah. And so he had that footage. We had some of those archive pieces and that just got cobbled together into the official archive, which is still incomplete. It's not a hundred percent of the originally aired auction tournament, but mm -hmm. it's enough. And after a couple of years of not having anything, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's really cool. Now, I mean, I do want to talk to you about, you know, your greater role in the FGC and such, you know, so, uh, you know, before I move on from Look Alive, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Or, you know, obviously I see poor Esteban in the chat. I'm sorry, Esteban in the chat right now uh, talking. That's an inside joke for us. Uh, you know, he's still trying to upload the videos. Magic Most is still sitting here trying to edit all the videos and everything like that. Uh, so, I mean, where, where can people see all those archives showing up uh, on YouTube? They're going to show up on the Hold Back to Block channel, and they're going to show up on the Spooky channel. Okay. So I'm not sure which one of them is going to be uploaded first. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Esteban and Hold Back to Block. But I'd check them out there, and in the meantime, you can hit up the archives on Spooky's Twitch channel. Awesome. And uh, obviously, look, I know as a TO, you know, you have a lot of people that you want to thank for being able to do all the work. Is there anybody in particular you want to shout out for having Look Alive you know, be as a success, be a success essentially. I mean, I, I threw out a tweet earlier today that some of the key people, but this show doesn't happen without uh, Katamari from the East Coast Throwdown Show crew. Doesn't happen without Callisto. Period. Doesn't happen without Bestabon. Doesn't happen without Phil. Uh, last week, if we're talking about who it really doesn't happen <laughs> with, there is a suite of editors saved in that tweet thread uh, who jumped in at the 11th hour literally mm -hmm. to help us piece together this show because we discovered we were almost nine hours over our planned content Ooh. from all the matches that we recorded which is why we wound up with friday <laughs> um, and the fact that uh because this was an experimental show that none of us had done before our workflow for putting it together was awful so those are the people that need to get thanked the most <laughs> Did, was there anything? To, uh, that, was there anything that I you had to cut out? Oh, go ahead. Um, we didn't have to cut anything out from our original planned production list. Mm -hmm. I had, in my foolish enthusiasm, talked to a bunch of the organizers who we 
didn't have room for in the show. And it was kind of like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm cutting stuff out of the, sh- the show in terms of like ad real times and some of the filler. We'll, we'll find a spot. We'll get you in. No, that did not happen. <laughs> so technically people that weren't originally part of the show and then got added to the show got recut from the show, which if for no other reason than stuff talked about earlier for wanting to do a second show, I need to do a second show just because I need to get them their time. (laughs) (laughs) And what was it that you wanted to ask, uh, Tubo? Sorry, I accidentally cut you off. It it, it doesn't matter. It's it's unimportant now. Okay. Um, I don't know where you were headed with with this, James, but I, before we move on, I want to talk about the merch. Right, yeah, I I wanted to bring that up. The the dope store because – Jesus Christ, I feel like some of that was directed like right at me. Like, (laughs) you knew that I would like that shit, so so you made it. So I I just, where did like, I mean, obviously you can't talk about every piece that you made, but uh, is there any particular item that you'd like to talk about that maybe like you were inspired to make or something like that, something that you are really proud of? Um, I think my favorite piece in the whole collection is actually a quilted button-up shirt that we put together, which probably should not have been considered for fighting game event apparel to begin with. But I love anything I can layer over a flannel that isn't a jacket. Quilted (laughs) shirts are great for that. Uh, They're great for sitting by bonfires. They're great for pretty much all weather patterns until it actually starts to snow. So in terms of pieces that I'm proud of, probably that one because it's actual apparel it's not just a a graphic on a t-shirt um with that noted born in the corner that long sleeve with the ki graphic that we put together with richie suino yeah i'm putting these on stream this this is the right one right here right this is the the right link here that is the correct store yeah yeah combobreaker.org slash shop yep so you can check out all this cool stuff here uh, and the which, one is uh, the one that Rick is talking about is on the right side of the screen right now. This one, right? There you go. Yeah, yes. this one's nice. Look at this thing. My favorite part of this one is we managed to get players into the shirt, which I love a lot. Right. The do you, can who are the players? Who are the actual skulls from? So it's it's Bass and Raven, who to me are the best spinal players that we have had in the Killer Instinct community. And then it's Rico as one of the players that inspired them. Just block mask. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of really cool merch. And this stuff is all still available, right? So people can still pick these up right now. Yeah, Yeah, because we sold out so fast last year, we decided to run the entire shop as made to order this year. It's part of why we're Mm -hmm. advertising with illustrations again instead of actual product photography, which is not the way you're supposed to do this, but the way we have to do this. Um, so the store will be up to the 11th. Any order put in prior to that, no matter what it is, no matter what size it is, that will show up. It's going to take a while to get to you, but it will show up. Nice. I mean, I mean, personally, I like that I don't have to fight with everyone else to try to break through and order stuff right away. Like, I mean, I understand, like, it creates hype and everything, but... Knowing that I didn't have to order first day and I could still get whatever I want is really, really great. I mean, nobody was successfully ordering when we actually launched. We got botted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you want to talk about that at all? What nope. happened with the shop? All right. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, now, oh, man. 
Now, obviously, you know, uh, I've I've said a lot of, you know, flattering platitude, platitudinal stuff. I don't even know if that's a word about you, but, you know, it's because I, I, I'm not sure if a lot of people are aware just how much you do in the fighting game community. Like, you know, uh, you know, outside of Combo Breaker, everybody knows Rick the Hado as the Combo Breaker guy, but you're also doing like most of the work on Tekken World Tour, if I'm not mistaken. And you, you, uh, you're still part this of- year. So okay. I, uh, I got hired into Tekken World Tour when it launched in 2017. Um, that was in part because I'd worked on the Tekken North American Tour and helped put that together in the years preceding that. Uh, built up that product, kind of worked it through into what it finally became in 2019 with the Dojo system that we finally got launched, which took yeah. too many years to get approved. And, uh, that, and that was your idea, right? The Dojo system. Yes, I had been pitching that to various dev pubs since 2014. Um, <laughs> things take time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, close of 2019... Uh, Twitch moved away from operating third-party and publisher tours in of that ilk, and so Tenno is currently running it, which mm, okay. a bang-up job for the fact that they've been stuck in COVID, not able to actually run the tour as right. planned or designed. And we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, but I mean, you're also a part of Twitch. You've been helping out with like the Twitch rival stuff, I assume, as well. Yeah, so I work on the Twitch rivals team. Um, largely putting together a bunch of shows for games that aren't in our genre. In terms of FGC product, though, we've been able to put together the recent Max Presents series, mm. which has been a lot of fun because we managed to run Marvel and <laughs> KI tournaments in late 2020 and early 2021. Right. Actual <laughs> prize pool and production support, which I'm still not entirely sure how that happened, but very thankful for it. <laughs> um, no, that's been the fun part of the job, though. Okay. So, I mean, what what other things have you had your, you know, hands in that a lot of people don't know about, if you're able to talk about these kind of things, you know? Um, I've helped out extensively with CEO over the years. Mm -hmm. I have worked various design projects around the FGC at this point, from Capcom Cup to Evo to the Combat Houston overlays for their local stuff. Mm. I try to take on as much of that work as I can because that's fun. keeps me connected to everybody in ways that my normal job can't at this point. <laughs> um, been helping out with East Coast Throwdowns merch, which is a blast. I have been... I don't know, James. I just do a lot of stuff until <laughs> I have sleep, and then I do more stuff when I get up, and I don't remember most of it. I mean, people will see some stuff that you even did for us, hopefully soon, on this stream, so, you know. <laughs> I didn't do anything for you, James, other than give you an idea. You've done the rest <laughs> of it on your own. Now, uh, one other question that I have to ask before before you go is, how difficult has it been continuing doing all the things that you're doing now with baby Tira in your life. <laughs> it's funny because I used to be almost boastful about the fact that I didn't need a lot of sleep. So one of the reasons I could work on as much as I worked on globally is time zones didn't matter a lot. I had more hours in the day than a lot of my peers. I didn't actually know what sleep deprivation was. <laughs> Being a parent has drastically changed my understanding of that to the point where 
Uh, I treasure sleep now. I would like as much of it as humanly possible to come my way every day. If I could sleep for 23 hours at a time, I would. It's challenging. I greatly enjoy having a daughter at this yeah. point. Uh, I don't spend nearly enough time with her since I have to <laughs> pay bills, but... I mean, I, I see a lot of the pictures, you know, that Kat posts up on social media and everything like that, and she's she's adorable, and it looks like she's definitely... She just reached the, the walking and grabbing everything phase now, right? <laughs> not, not just reached it, has surpassed it. As of this morning, she climbed up the slide out back and went back down it on her own, which means at some point in the next few days, she's going to climb up it, topple off the top of it, and hopefully not... <laughs> break any bones <laughs> it's crazy I, I mean, it's like it's funny i was hanging out with one of my friend's kids one time and it's just like you're so terrified that they're gonna break every bone in their body just doing everything you almost kind of wonder how we survived as kids <laughs> i understand how we survived because we grew up in a country that has unaffordable health care and at least the understanding of how to get rid of various broken mm. bones or heal them what I don't understand is how our ancestors survived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I, I read a quote somewhere that said, like, that someone asked what, what the first sign of civilization was. And the, the lady responded that it was the evidence of someone having a broken bone being mended together and healed. Yep. Because that's a sign that somebody cared enough for somebody else to watch over them, take care of them, and and help them, you know, heal and stuff. And uh, I don't know why what you said just made me think of that, and uh, I, I just wanted to share that. So <laughs> I think it's fair. I mean, communities are communities are people, and the people that raise each other up. Tubble's a great example of this. Tubble can't afford medical bills, and today he yeah. can afford medical bills because the yeah. fighting in community can band together. And help him get through that. It's not quite the same as mending a broken bone, but it is mending a broken billfold, and it's at least related. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's definitely, definitely relatable. Yeah. yeah, in two think, hours I too, right? Fair comparison, dude. I I put up, so I made the GoFundMe last night, and I wasn't sure if I was gonna post it because, you know, yeah, reason. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, but I did post it, and within thirty minutes, we were over a thousand dollars. Within an hour forty-five, I was over the goal. And I think right now it's sitting at like five thousand dollars. And I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk. I'll talk about this later in the stream too. But sure, sure. I'm gonna shut it down at midnight, no matter what, because please, no more. Jesus Christ, <laughs> so many people have helped me out. And leading into that, actually, um, Justin Wong, big up to him. He gave me a thousand dollars. Holy shit! I know. I saw that. But we were dude. chatting. We were chatting because obviously I texted him to thank him. And uh, I was talking. I was, you know, I was talking about Harper and and, and Tira came up and. I was like, man, I've never wanted kids ever, but seeing you guys with your kids makes me go, mm, <laughs> right? Maybe I'm at like one percent where I'd be like, maybe one percent willing to do that. And Justin said to me, he was like, you know what? In my perfect world, you would have a kid, and all my friends would have kids, and then our kids would grow up, and then their kids would grow up and be friends, and it would just go on forever and ever. And I was like, man, can you imagine an army of like? second generation and third generation fighting game kids they would be so strong we would never compare to them i just want to know what kind of beef would come up between the various kids you know it would be like family clan yeah brockman clan oh, at least i know who wins that one <laughs> uh, 
But I mean, uh, again, thank you for stopping by and talk about. Is there anything else that you want to talk about, or do you just want to get some sleep now? <laughs> well, I mean, I still got work to do tonight. Jeez, oh, <laughs> this, oh, this is coming in technically during my dinner break. So, oh, um, the fighting game community has gone through a lot in the past few years, mm-hmm. and that's not just in game because of the situations around COVID, but. The community as a whole has taken enough punches that assuredly getting back up is not always a guarantee for everybody. Mm-hmm. Our community is better when we pay attention to, to other players, we raise other players up, and we give everyone that we can an opportunity to be in love with the same things that we're in love with. What I do and what I work on is predicated on the fact that everyone else wants to do that. And so the thing that I always hope for and the thing that I try to leave most of these interviews with anymore is I am able to do what I do because the community at large chooses to engage with one another and try to actually all stay in love with the same impossible to love genre. (laughs) Keep showing people fighting games. Keep playing fighting games. Keep teaching fighting games. Keep remembering that the joys that come along with fighting games are honestly not just victory it's oftentimes the journey of trying to achieve victory keep that in mind keep it front of mind and let's just all keep growing together this community is bigger and better than at any point before at least in my time here and that's still true coming off of two years that arguably should have killed the genre so sky's the limit next year Let's go play some games. For sure. Let's get it. Well said, man. All right. That's the end of the well, show. <laughs> we have to close on that, I think. There's nothing left to say at this point. Oh, God. You're trying to pull a fighting games or something so great moment on me here, Rick. I mean. <laughs> nah, nah. How, how, how can we ruin this? Uh, <laughs> 10 is not sold out of this shirt yet. You can go oh, to yeah. 10-0- not 10 10-o.gg slash merch. There's like 12 of these left, particularly if you're a big boy. I know they got three X's that they can't get rid of. <laughs> go show Tasty Steve some love. Pick up a shirt. There. Now we're ending on a Yeah, nuts. there so, you go. And shout out to yeah. Stephanie Vexany as well for that shirt. It's yeah, awesome. Great, I mean, Vexany's photo here is one of the best photos I think has ever come out of this. Oh, movie. yeah, for sure. I mean, it, that's one of those photos that was like a one in a million chance to get that photo and she got it and it's absolutely it defines I it's like it's like if we needed an NBA logo kind of thing like that's it right there just silhouette, <laughs> silhouettes tasty Steve there and make an NBA logo and I think we're good so <laughs> yeah that worked all right Rick when's D spot I went last Friday with Ben next Saturday okay yeah, I can do that. Chat for context, D-Spot is a chicken wing joint in Minnesota that has no right to be as good as it is. And as someone that has had chicken wings on multiple continents, worth flying to and eating. Come join huh. me. It's good. It's, it's pretty dope. Okay. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind if I ever manage to hit up Minnesota at some point in time. I got a guest room. You can crash. Sweet. As long only if you bring Keats there and we can share a bed for the second time in our lives. Okay. So <laughs> only if that happens. I don't know if Keats will ever fly north again. <laughs> well, tell him he'll share a bed with me and he'll he'll be right out, I'm sure. So 
maybe. <laughs> All, All right, Rick. Right. Well, thanks for coming on, man. We yeah. appreciate it. Thank you very See much. Y'all. Thank you. Peace out. Bye. Uh-oh. Well, now this view is all crazy <laughs> over here. All right, I'm good. You know, Rick is going to stay in the call as long as possible. Yeah, to Rick, keep Rick this. is me now. Yeah, he's just going to leave this. Up. See, <laughs> James, I have watched this show for years and seen fewer production gaffes than tonight. And I'm one of the guys that hires you to do stuff. <laughs> This, You're fired, James. No, this is why we need... Maybe we should go back to OBS Ninja at this point in time. So. You're fired, James. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. My career as a as a stream producer is, is, is over at this point. So, oh, you trying to pet my cat here? Oh, no, I touched his butt. <laughs> at least you didn't eat Jasmine's butt yeah. like David did yeah, that, that one time. Yes. That was incredible. There is <laughs> amazing moments in green screen technology. That was one of them. Oh, man. All righty, then. All right. Oh, yeah. Rick is going to get Yeah, Rick had to, drop the, had to drop the Bible verses on us. Dude, like I said, I mean, that that is the reason why, you know, I cried when Tokido said fighting games are something so great because, you know, that that's the whole goal. It's exactly what he said, right? It's just to try to get other people to love the same things that you love, to try to show them the good side of everything. And, you know, for me, I've always explained the reason why I cried when Tokido said that is because I've always said, Tokido is a man who could have done anything in his life. He, he went to Tokyo University. This man is a genius. He's certified genius, like actually like IQ test genius. And he ended up playing fighting games. And part of me is always like, Man, did he waste his time? <laughs> did he waste his Not life on this? Not even a little. There's and, no way he would tell you you wasted one second. Right. And that's why when he said fighting games is something so great when he won Evo, that meant to me that he didn't feel like he wasted a single second in it. And that's what got me all choked up. And it's going to get... Okay, let's talk about the Ultra Chen topic here, please. <laughs> Moving let's, on, James. Jeez, we got a show to get through. Oh, let's talk about that instead. Okay. Did I cry? No, I cried two weeks ago. Now you're crying. Ugh. We need to give David something to cry about when he comes on the show. So. Can we? Is that possible? I, I'm, I'm sure I could get David to cry about something. Okay, okay, that'll. I be... know it might be like crying, laughing. I don't know if I can make him cry like happy tears. That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty tough. All right, let's talk about this uh, tweet over here. Uh, Ultra Chen. So this tweet, it's kind of unfortunate, and this is this is par for the course of you know everything that happens in the FGC. Someone will write a tweet and then it blows up. Probably not exactly in the way that it was meant to be discussed. Uh, but this tweet came out here via one silent hooper who says. I still hate that no one will F with you until you start doing good at tournaments, lol. It's super lame. I know it because I was a random at 1.2. Pretty innocuous comment here. But look at this. 356 retweets. 738 quote retweets. Yeah. You know when kids <laughs> yell ratio on Twitter? Oh, yeah. That's what they mean. That's... that's I... I so, like you said, the, the, this tweet blew up, and, and the you know Silent Hooper got a lot of shit for it, and um, 
there is so many takes on what this person said that just weren't necessarily correct and so good on them for like keeping the tweet up and dealing with that or even just like (laughs) muting it but they didn't like back down they didn't you know delete the tweet or run away from it they they stuck with what they said and i i just so what i'm going to also show here is that he had a follow-up, too. He says, this tweet had been muted for the longest, but this tweet is not about making friends, which everyone thinks. Yeah, the tweet is vague and could be misconstrued, but this is what I'm really talking about. And what he says here is, this tweet does seem vague in retrospect and is easy to twist words on Twitter. And this is a good way to put it in a sense. Like my rant was how people will just switch up on you once you start doing well at events. It was never about making friends and stuff because that was never a problem for me in the FGC. It's more so that people will just blow you off until you start doing good at events. This was just my experience growing up and observations of other people in the FGC. Not all, because Twitter thinks I'm saying this happens to everyone. Obviously, this is granted to happen when you start performing better at events, but my problem specifically is that there are people that are toxic, being whack, etc. to you when you are still new and or on the come up and immediately throw that out the window once you get good. So with that clarification, what's your take on this? My take is, uh, I'm trying to word this so it doesn't sound like I'm defending people. My, my take is that human beings naturally like success. Mm-hmm. And so if you are successful in your hobby, and trust me, the FTC definitely judges people on how good they are at the games they play, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, uh, when people start seeing success... They start looking up to you, and if people look up to you, then they want to be nice to you. So I I I think he's right, or he or she actually whatever they identify as. I don't know Simon Hooper personally, um, but I, I think I think they're correct. I think that people do that, uh, and I, I I'm not gonna even say that I'm not guilty of it. I've probably subconsciously done it too, mm-hmm. to where I had someone in my local who wasn't playing well i didn't really get to know them and then they beat me or something in tournament now i want to get to know you like it's just <laughs> it's kind of like a like a rite of passage you know like a show that you're worthy which is a terrible way to put it and i don't mean it that way and my favorite players at locals are the ones that come every week and go oh and two because they're the foundation of every fgc right but at the same time like there is that rite of passage there is that showing that you really care about this hobby and the way you show that you care about this hobby is by showing improvement Mm -hmm. it doesn't even necessarily mean that you're good at the game or that you you you're winning all the time um and i'll give you guys an example a good friend of mine brian uh, he goes by overhaul on twitter oh yeah uh brian works really hard to get better at street fighter 5 he loves street fighter 5 and one of our local players mike too strong is considered one of the the better Zangiefs in America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Brian had never beaten Mike in tournament, but at Red Bull uh, proving rounds two years ago, Overhaul beat him in pools. He took him out, and Brian was so happy with himself, <laughs> so happy with himself that sometimes I accidentally will call him Overdrive. He came up to me, and Brian is the nicest dude in the FDC. I uh, mean that for uh-huh. sure. But he came up to me and he goes, I bet you'll never get my name wrong now. And like, cause he knew, he knew that he had proved himself worthy. 
and that was like that, and like it wasn't even like wow. shit talk. He was it was more like matter of fact, like you're you're gonna remember my name now, and he's right. I've yeah. never called him overdrive since. He's only been overhaul ever since that day. So <laughs> I, 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 I do think that people can gatekeep like that, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's always meant to be harmful. Right. I think right, it's just yeah. more part of the hobby. It's human nature. Better or worse. A lot of yes. it is human nature and, and, and we can't really help it. And I, I will also say that, you know, you just have to go my direction here, Tubo, and just get everyone's name wrong all the time. And so that way <laughs> you never feel like, you know, someone's being gatekept or anything. So, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's, it's a tough situation. I mean, it's, it's bred into our culture. But again, like you said, is it our culture or is it human nature? Because I used to always yeah, tell the story I, when I first went to UCLA, you know, there was one player over there who, you know, was very elitist. And he wouldn't talk to anybody who was good. And he wouldn't talk to me at all until I started beating him. And then once I started beating him, it was literally like Silent Hooper said. It was like a switch. He was like, hey, James, you want, I, we need, I need to take you to this arcade so you can play my friends. And suddenly, like, he was talking to me and we were hanging out. Like, he wanted to hang out and stuff like that. And it changes a lot that way. And, you know, again, it's it's weird and it, it's, it, it is kind of annoying but like like i said it, it is something that happens everywhere it's not an fgc problem it's it's just a human nature problem now i'm gonna say yeah it happens in the workplace as well yeah having said that you know um i will say you know the way that i had interpreted it was just like you can't really talk to top players they won't talk to you until you start getting good because like i said that was kind of my experience uh one thing i will say is that a lot of a lot of players are awkward they're very introverted and they don't like talking to people and the only reason why they stop talking to people who are getting good is because they see them a lot more they play them a lot more you know what i mean and then when you're an introvert it's not about that you decide to accept people that you can talk to. You just, once somebody starts to become an actual part of your world because you're willing, you see them all the time and you subconsciously just kind of now, okay, this person is here, you'll start talking to them. And then if it's somebody that you don't know, you get kind of scared. Like it's just, it's awkward. Speaking as an introvert, it's awkward. Now, uh, to you know, supplement that. Not all the top players are like that. Some of them can just be assholes. Some of them could definitely be elitist. But you know, one of the other tough things is you know we are a community of. We're still grassroots. The only reason why, when I'm at events, that I walk around the floor and I talk to every stranger who comes up to me and talks to me, and I try my best to engage them, is because I've trained myself. It's something that I've consciously practiced. It's something that I've consciously told myself that I want to do. The benefit of actual sports is that you have team, you have PR, you literally have a job for people to train you how to speak to people publicly. We don't have that. <laughs> so we're going to get a lot of really awkward asshole like interactions and it's just going to happen. Um, but to Silent Hooper's point, yes, it is definitely a thing that happens. You generally won't talk to people until, you know, there are a lot of people out there that won't talk to you until you start beating them. And it's, it's, it's a sad truth. But again, that's more human nature than FGC. Uh, 
my whole thing though is I always want the FGC to be better than human nature a lot of times. I know that's asking for almost the impossible. Yeah, asking for way too much. Yeah. Thanks for the follow, Dr. Doomski. But um, it's definitely asking for too much, but I can definitely try. And uh, it's something that I think that a lot of players have to think about because a lot of players, when they become top players, it's not just that other top players will talk to them. Fans start to talk to them too. And once they become a top player, what they say matters a lot more all of a sudden. And so, you know, I had a conversation on Twitter about this with some people, but when you become a top player, you actually have to be careful what you're saying. And a lot of the players out there who are young, especially haven't gotten, don't understand that. And I'll tell them that. I was like, you know, I, I basically tell them the way that I've told everybody. And, you know, I still remember the first person I said this to. If you don't want your words to matter, you can suck at fighting games like the rest of us. You know, honestly, it, that's just the way it works. But once you become a top player, you have to be careful about what you say. You just have to. Like I said, if... There's if, other options, too. There's yeah. other options, too. I mean... You could be like Ryan LV and does not say anything. <laughs> you can just completely avoid interaction as far as, you know, social media goes and just live your life and be a top player at the same time. That's totally an option, too. <laughs> Definitely works. Uh... But I mean, like, can you imagine, like, if, like, let's say, uh, Djokovic, who's a big tennis player, was like, "Yo, this tennis play, this women's tennis player is super hot. Like, I totally want to get with her. Like, you know, like that instantly. Like, this is what I mean. Like, okay, maybe this is stuff people do talk about and stuff. But you know, as a pro athlete once you get into that level you know this is not something that you can say and the I mean, not publicly at least right like, right but i mean keep, like you keep your shit to yourself like you, you know have your core group of friends but yeah, and, yeah there's a lot of things that you can't say publicly right and and so that's just the thing right you're under a microscope in this position so you know it, it's interesting it kind of goes both ways once you become good once you become you know, uh, worth your shit, basically, kind of to, to state it in similar ways that Silent Hooper was, you know, it's not only that top players pay attention to you, but it's everybody pays attention to you now. And it's, it's a tricky situation, honestly. It is. It is. It is. And I mean, again, I, I a lot of the times I don't think this stuff is done out of malice. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, like, you have to just remember that everyone's human. I mean, you know, you talk about, you know, all the interactions we get. Mm -hmm. Dude, I'm not a top player. I'm not a top commentator. I, I don't feel like I'm really anyone in the FTC, right? Like, I'm just a dude. And mm -hmm. I get bombarded at tournaments. Like, if I go to Combo Breaker, like, the first five hours of my first day, if I'm not working the stage or something, I am, like, talking to people who I right. don't really know. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like, I, I may have saw them last year, and, hey, I have well, small talk happens, and... I can't really move in the building. Like so many people want to say <laughs> hi to me. I can't imagine what it's like being a Justin Wong or a Daigo or a Tokido or a Chris G or any of them. Like I, yeah. I can't, bro. I would just start muffing people. Like get the away from I mean, me. I mean, it's I couldn't do it. It's it's wild. Like uh, uh, big ups to them for being able to handle that. I've had people like some of my friends like will be at an event and they're like, let's go grab lunch and we're at the stage. 
and trying to leave the building like is hard. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I get stopped a lot and the only way that I can get through it is that, you know, my friend has to be like, okay, James, let's go. Okay, James, let's go. You know, kind of thing like that. And I feel terrible about it. I don't, I don't want to be that way, you know? <laughs> and, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to sit here and say like, I'm big shit in the FTC, but I mean, you I know. I mean, dude, I've been in those situations where David, where I'll pull him away and then he pulls me away and then I right. pull him away. And yeah, yeah. It, it, dude, it happens, man. And like, yeah, like I said, dude, I big up to the, to the, true top players of the world who <laughs> have to deal with that tenfold compared to what we do. Yeah. And, and I, I, wanna, I couldn't do it, man. I want to address a couple of things that some people have said in the chat, it's, it's particularly Costner, who says a lot of top players are just kids with very limited social skills. And, you know, one of the people above him actually said Chris G is a perfect example. And I think Chris G is a really kind of an interesting one to talk about. And because, honestly, big ups to Chris G for the recent twit longer that he posted i don't know if you actually read it or yeah. not uh you know but for a while chris g didn't really apologize for a lot of the crappy things he said and you know a lot of the crappy things he did because he was young and i've always said this when you're in 20s you think you're you're invincible and you think the world owes you everything right chris g in his recent twit longer was like i'm mad that people still do this and all this stuff because i said all these things but i've realized now that I said those things. And so I deserve to be in the position that I'm in. You know, I did this to myself. Hey, James, uh, I don't mean to interrupt you and in, in everything. And uh, big ups to Chris, I agree. But breaking news, King of Fighters 15 delayed to 2022. Really? <laughs> it has been delayed to quarter one, 2022. Do you know how happy that makes me? <laughs> Does it? Really? Because... Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait, oh, no, no, go, go ahead. Yeah, go, I want to hear this. Go ahead. Because that makes me believe that they probably didn't plan for rollback. And after all the talk, they're going to do it. That's you mean my... to tell me that really vague tweet about how we plan for rollback this whole time from the CEO at SNK wasn't real or wasn't true, James? No way. No uh, way was he trying to save faith. Maybe. No way. <laughs> no way. Maybe. No one's going to see that one. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I mean, honestly, they had never announced a release date, and I was like, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Well, they haven't they haven't showed a, a super bar or right. a character select screen. Like mm. anyways, let's uh, let's move on to the viewer question. I mean I I will say one thing uh uh that will relate to one of the news later on. So I wanna say something okay. about that, so but it'll relate to the news yeah, we'll, later we'll, on. We'll talk about it, yeah. Right. We'll hit it with the news. But yeah, uh, honestly, again, you know, basically what Costner said, a lot of it is because we're young and we don't have we don't have the mentor system in place to teach people not to do things like that, which is why I try to do that. That comment about, you know, you can just suck like the rest of us. I said that to Chris G that he was the first person I said that to, but it was very early when he first moved to SoCal. He was still very young at the time. 
And so it's hard to convince people like that, especially because I'm not a top player. So what the hell does anyone, you know, like it's hard again, same thing. Like why wouldn't, why you would only, you know, listen to other top player kind of things, you know, it's just, it's one of those situations, but shout outs to him. Honestly, honestly, uh, I, I'm, I was pleasantly surprised and impressed by that tweet that he put out. So. Okay, let's go to the viewer questions here. So we didn't have a chance to uh, send out a vote for any of this at this point in time. So I'm going to put up the viewer questions here in the chat right now. <laughs> Every time I hear that, it's just like, what the heck is going on? So here are our, our, here are our poll questions. Number one, what causes smaller fighting games with strong fan bases from breaking out into the main stage? Example, Skullgirls, Undernight, or even Virtua Fighter. Two, what's the most overrated fighting game series? Three, how do you feel about companies merging their fighting games roster into a single entry like KOF? For example, Capcom merging Street Fighter, Darkstalkers, Rival Schools, MVC, etc. in a single game, or Arxis doing Guilty Gear and Blaze Blue, etc. Four, how much time do you spend watching fighting games than playing them? I'm finding that now life is getting busier and the amount of time it takes to get good at a fighting game is a lot. I just settle for watching and that kind of scratches my itch for a bit. And number five, back in the MLG Halo 2 days, I positioned my index finger on the controller's face so I could jump, shoot, and throw grenades without moving my thumbs from the joystick. They called this claw. Any interesting hand postures in the FGC that... Uh, people felt gave them an edge. Well, guys, I just started a poll in the chat right now. And uh, you should be able to type exclamation mark one, exclamation mark two, exclamation mark three, or exclamation mark four, and that will add your entry into the chat if I got this going here. Hang on a second. Did this not register here? Didn't register, James. Oh, it didn't register. All right, well... This, this is why Rich is firing you. Yeah, basically. You know what? I let this thing sitting here this whole entire time for so long. Now, one of the things that I did... Okay, so the poll is starting now. So start now. Start now. Vote again. And what I have done is that Twitch subscribers are allowed to vote twice. Twitch subscribers are allowed to vote twice. So if you are a subscriber to the channel, you can actually vote twice. And what we're going to do here is we're actually going to watch this in real time here. So if your question is not being at, uh, chosen, here is your impetus for trying to fight for it. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to rile people up, that's all. Wow, this is actually really we tight. Gotta, we got a close race. How long are we out? When are we cutting it off? Uh, let's see. We'll give people... How's this? One more minute. Just to spend one more minute with you. Okay, so I'm going to set the stopwatch to... Or the timer to one number minute. Two is winning because you're, you're just all destructive. What's that? The number two is winning because you're all destructive. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, oh man, you want to see us get clipped on Twitch and then clipped on Twitter and canceled for hating Bloody Roar or something? <laughs> Bloody Roar, Jesus! Oh man, all right, you've got 
40 seconds left. Less than 40 seconds left. 30 seconds remaining. All right, get again. What, a, what causes smaller fighting games with strong fan bases from breaking out into the main stage? What's the most overrated fighting game series? How do you feel about companies making fighting game all-star uh, games? Uh, how much time do you spend watching fighting games rather than playing them these days? And uh, are there any other interesting hand postures in the FGC that people felt gave them an edge? All right, I think that's time, James. Yep. Stop. Shut up. Okay, there we go. And it looks like the questions we are going to be answering are number two and number four. So there you go. Number two and number four. So the first question is, what's the most overrated fighting game series? People just want to watch the world burn. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm going to say it right here. I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to piss everyone off who's excited for this game. It's Virtual Fighter. Virtual <laughs> Fighter is the most overrated fighting game series. It can go away, all right? I, I, no, I don't know fighting game series is overrated. You know, like, fighting games are something so great. Like, why? I don't, I think, I, no, man, I, Virtual Fighter ain't it. Like, nothing's it. I love I like it. I don't I don't play Tekken, but I love Tekken. I don't play BB Tag anymore, but I like BB Tag. Don't love it. I like BB Tag. Like like <laughs> I, I can go on and on about all these games. Like Power Rangers. I love watching Power Rangers. I'm not gonna play it, but I love that damn game. Like I don't think there's any overrated fighting game series. I think they're all amazing. I love fighting games. Man, that is the most uh, PR answer that I think I've heard from you. <laughs> Uh, that's, the, that's actually the truth, though. Like, I, I do. I love fighting games. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I can't call it a series, so I can't be like, Street Fighter Cross Tekken, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think that really counts. Uh, I mean, honestly, the, the hardest part is that there's just a lot. There are series out. But I mean, I, you know, if they're bad, then people aren't going to talk about them. And so they have to be considered yeah, good to be open. Right. It has to be something that people love. This right. Destructive right. Like, this, this is a question of chaos. Right. You can't be like, war gods suck. And it's just like, well, yeah, everyone thinks that, you know, kind of situation. So, um, oh, that's. Yeah. I mean, it, it, honestly, I don't know the answer to that. There's, I don't think there's a series of a beloved fighting game where I don't like at least one game. Even Mortal right. Kombat. I love Mortal Kombat too. Like, <laughs> Mortal Kombat like there's, so there's at least one there's at least one game in every major series that I'm like, yeah, that's a good game. Yeah. So and it, you know, obviously, you know, this is kind of a, a riling up question, you know. Obviously, the person asking it probably was hoping for chaos, and we're definitely not giving it to them. Uh, not because Sorry. we're trying to avoid it, but honestly, it's be you're right. It's just that so many fighting games are so fun to play, and the key factor really comes down to is whatever you don't like, someone else probably does, right? And if they like the game you know, other people are going to find reasons to like it, you know? So, 
it's just I I just don't want to propagate this kind of mindset that any series could be overrated anyway. So yeah, sorry, no chaos answer here. <laughs> I'm in I'm in too good of a mood today. Like I oh I can imagine I, I can imagine. You know, like, I, I don't I don't have any like piss or visceral in me. Like, I just I totally I'm get it. I totally get it, dude. <laughs> All right. Uh. So then question number four, then let's just go to question number four here, because this is an interesting one here, uh, because the answer is going to probably be pretty weird, is how much time do you spend watching fighting games rather than playing them? So the whole question is, including, I'm finding that now that life is getting busier and the amount of time it takes to get good at fighting games is a lot. I just settle for watching. It kind of scratches my itch for a bit. So, yeah, what is, what is your situation right now, uh, Brandon? My current situation is any video game that I play right now and probably for the last month or more mm-hmm. that isn't Guilty Gear Strive makes me feel like I'm wasting my time because I know <laughs> that I will not play this again once Guilty Gear Strive comes out. <laughs> that is my situation. And I'm not talking about fighting games. <laughs> I'm talking about video games, period. But what about watching? I mean, does this include watching? I, I, wa- I watch plenty. Right now, I still watch plenty of fighting games. Obviously, I commentated on Look Alive. Uh-huh. I mean, like, I, 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 I still watch plenty of fighting games. I tune into Sage Jam stream and troll the chat, like, at least three or four times a week. You know, like, I, I'm still active watching stuff, but currently, I'm not playing anything because Strive is coming out, which is so weird. You'd think that I'd be like, oh, I'll catch up on these single-player games. It just feels pointless. It just feels pointless because wow. Strive is coming, and I know that I will not return to this game <laughs> for so long. Rip so. Rocket Arena, right? <laughs> Dude, Rocket Arena's been dead for me. I played it for hardcore for about six months, and I tried to make the game grow, and it didn't really, so oh, okay. just kind of let it go. All, like, a bunch of my friends stopped playing it and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I've been playing everybody's golf. That's been fun. I don't it's, even know uh, what that is. Have <laughs> you ever played Hot Shots Golf? It's made by the same team. Oh, okay, it's a, okay, okay. Spiritual successor. Gotcha. I've been gotcha. playing that. That's been fun. But even then, I play it for a half hour. I'm like, this isn't Strive. What am I doing? <laughs> so recently, <laughs> I, 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 I watch a lot more than I play is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Um, but in a, in, a, in a normal circumstance, if I'm hardcore trying to learn a game for commentary and, you know, for competition reasons... I'm playing way more than I'm watching. Mm-hmm. If I'm mm-hmm. watching something, it's while I'm playing. Like, I'll have it on my second monitor while I'm grinding combos or setups or Oki or, or whatever. Um, punishes, etc. So, like, while I'm doing training mode stuff, I might have a stream on at the same time, but I'm definitely playing it more, you know, more right. tuned into playing the game. Yeah. Uh, so it really just depends on, on what's going on. I, I mean, I don't have a kid. I don't have a wife. I kind of have a girlfriend, I guess. I don't know what the situation. I have someone <laughs> that I talk to. I'll just put it that way. Uh, so, like, I, I don't like. I, I have free time. Like, I can actually like make content and play video games and stuff. Like, it's so that's that's nice. Yeah. But also, like, even with that free time, it's still just about like three or four hours a night. So, if I'm really trying to learn a fighting game. I'm putting it all into playing. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's weird for me because it sounds probably weird, but to be honest with you, I 
barely watch fighting games these days. Like I, I, I don't feel like I have a lot of time because on Monday I'm playing Soul Calibur. On Thursday I'm playing Samurai Showdown. On Wednesday I'm doing Synchronize. You know the SNK stream on. Tuesdays I'm doing Tuesday show right now and and every time when I finally have a chance to sit down and watch something I almost rather put on something on like Netflix that I don't have to pay attention to because I also use that time to try to grind out some Final Fantasy record keeper or read some social media so I'm like half paying attention and it's like it's weird so like I I just I I very rarely have a chance to um to watch fighting games as much. I mean, there was that Wii Play event for Soul Calibur that everybody said was super good that was like three months ago. I still haven't finished watching that yet. You know, it, I still have the tab open in my browser and I want to watch it. You know, I have all these things I want to watch. It's it's weird. I mean, I, it's frustrating too because every time I go back to play Soul Calibur, I, I'm not improving because I'm not studying matchups because I barely find the time to, to train for Soul Calibur because I'm playing Samurai Showdown. And Thanks for subbing, King Vasuki. So, you know, it's weird. Like, my my whole schedule is messed up right now, and I need to I need someone to basically organize my life. <laughs> now, I will watch stuff that's live, though. I will watch stuff, you know, when it's live. But when it gets archived and I need to go back and find the time to watch it, it, like... I, I very rarely have the opportunity and, and, and find the time to do that because a lot of times I'll watch something but I'll be doing something else at the same time and I miss half of it and then something happens and I'm like, oh, should I rewind? And then I just feel like I'm not really watching it and so it's like, I mean, I can't even tell you how often I've put on, I must have seen the stupid MCU movies like at least three times each during the pandemic Excuse you, excuse you, you take that stupid word back, sir. Okay, fair enough. I, want, I put on the awesome... Fantastic, amazing cinematic adventures yes. that are the MCU movies, you're welcome. Yes, that is correct, and that is one of the reasons why that I've seen every one of them like three times during the pandemic, is because I just have them on in the background. I know what's happening, I don't have to pay attention, and they're just good background noise for me, and that's kind of how I'm my brain is working right now. So honestly, I play a lot more than I watch and I don't even play that much, to be honest with you. Like it, it makes me, I've been wanting to play Street Fighter V again so badly. And I haven't played in like three weeks or four weeks. Like all I want to do is play more Lucia and just, you know, get better with her and everything. And every time I think about doing it, I'm just like, God, I want to lie down, and then a cat jumps on me, and then I'm like, you know what, I'm just, you know, I'm, and then I also, like I said, I have that guilt feeling, too, that if I ever play a game and I'm not streaming, I feel like I'm wasting time, and so, like, I have, to, in order to play a game, I have to convince myself to stream it at the same time, and I've got a lot of hang-ups, man. <laughs> I've got a lot of hang-ups, I'm sorry. I mean, if you really want to play and you, you feel bad about streaming, just stream no mic no cam minimize the stream and you'll forget it's even there you know i mean that's probably not a bad idea huh just play be. just play it and just you know just it's on i'm not communicating deal with it it's and not then a bad if idea. you really want to you can take the footage and do voiceover later talking about what your decisions were or what happened huh. and then you have more content james 
boom, another segment for you. James on James, Street Fighter Five. You're welcome. <laughs> so when I said I needed someone to organize my schedule, I think I think you you are the one that I <laughs> I need to get to do that right now. So, oh man. All well, right. I I mean I don't have anything else to say about this one. Yeah. You all all done. All right, let's move on to the oh. next topic here. Uh, this weekend, only tournament result that I was able to find this weekend, uh, please let me know. I mean, obviously Look Alive was this weekend as well, uh, but that was more exhibitions. There were some tournaments yeah, there, but, uh, CPT Brazil 1 took place this weekend. And I know last week we didn't really get to talk about the Latin America region CPT all that much. And again, apologize to the Latin American scene. I just didn't get a chance to watch it because of Red Bull Kumite, etc. Otherwise, I would have liked to have said more about it. Uh, however, I did commentate CPT Brazil. And so I do, I can say a lot about this. What a tournament. <laughs> did you actually get to watch any of this? Nope, I sure didn't. Yeah, this was amazing. And shout outs, honestly, to the Brazil scene. They're so, like supportive of each other and like th all the quotes were like whoever wins i'm just happy that brazil gets the rep and da 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 like they were just all like it was like wholesome they got hour. The pr people that's why they they it's brazil they got the tech they have the pr people <laughs> and uh, it was it was wild but the most amazing thing about it is the tournament was won by ronaldinho who's basically been playing for about like maybe 3 to 4 years and he won with nash who just got buffed. <laughs> and I mean, I asked him in the interview, I was like, how much do you think that this was a factor? And he was like, it was definitely a factor. <laughs> he did not. Oh, his soapbox kick. His soapbox kick is so good now. Yeah. The, the crazy thing about it, though, is that what's really awesome, though, is that, you know, there was nothing that I saw him do that was like, OK, Nash is broken now. He was making amazing reads like he was using tools like the air throws really well that, you know, wasn't a buff. Right. Like that was just right. something that he can do. He was definitely using a lot of the buffs. He used the so bad. He used the light kick, light kick, medium kick into, you know, charge up the, the V skill too and stuff like that. But overall, he played super well, and it was really awesome to see uh, him taking out the last year qualifier, Jaleshe, and, and making it into the tournament. So, uh, and, and, and on top of that, we saw a lot of, we got to see a lot of highlights from players that we didn't know, like in particular, Juninho, this crazy Ryu out there. Uh, do you know Juninho Raz? You know, uh, that was an inside joke. Like, I hadn't heard of this player, but as soon as me and Vicious were talking about him, I got flooded in my social media with that phrase because, like, that apparently that's what he's known for in the community. <laughs> so it's like, All right. it's really funny. And, and the craziest part about this is, you know, Nash won. We had a Zangief in third place. You know, an Alex and a Vega in top eight. But... In the top 16, the 16 players out there used 16 different characters. And none of them was, none of the 16 characters were double used by any player. It was literally one-to-one -one players and characters. The only exception was that two players used Laura, but the Laura player actually switched to Poison at one point and won a match with Poison. 16 players use 16 different characters 
for the top 16 for CPT Brazil. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, it just says a lot about, I don't want to say the, the, the balance of the game, but the usability of all the characters. Yeah. That even, even if you're not top tier, you can still do well in Street Fighter V right now. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's a big deal, I think. Like, I, I feel like it's it's important to feel like even if you're using a weaker character, you still have a chance against top mm-hmm. tier. And, and uh, that was obviously on display. But also, real quick, what's up with every Laura player having a pocket poison? <laughs> right? <laughs> every Laura has a pocket poison. Marine, uh, what's his face? New I York, don't, uh, I don't, item, yeah, and then Paulo the why do yeah. they all? Why do they all have pocket? What the hell is that about? I think it's because Idom kind of hit the nail on the head that Poison is a really good character that covers a lot of Laura's bad matchups. I really think that's what it is. And as Shard Lab says, if you like sexy ladies, then, you know, that's a good combination as well. Uh, But honestly, like, you know, Laura doesn't like fighting against Zangief. Poison does well against Zangief, you know. Laura wants to get in on the opponent, stay close to them. Poison kind of wants to stay away. So if a character does better than Laura at up close, you can use Poison and actually uh, keep him out a little bit. And I think that that works. So, um, But, you know, uh, one of the things I wanted to mention, though, was that, you know, even on the stream itself, I was like, hey, can you actually name me? Who the worst character in the game now? Because before that patch, it was universally hailed as Nash. And now we'll probably get like eight to nine different answers, depending on who yeah. you talk to, who the worst character and, is. And also, and also realistically, it won't matter because that right. worst character probably could win a major. So <laughs> right. it doesn't even really matter. Someone's going to say Dan, and then you remember that, you know, we got Dan's in top 16s already here, right? Doing some yeah, damage. Dan, Dan. Yeah, Dan so. is strong. Dude, I, I don't think there's anybody who's weak in the roster mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, so shout-outs to the Bounce cool. team. That's really cool for Street Fighter Five players, and yeah, big ups to Capcom. Dude, seriously, shout-outs to, to Shuhei Matsumoto. They are doing a bang-up job on the game, honestly. It's, it's, I'm, like, it's, Street Fighter Five is so fun and good right now. And again, it's still gate-kept a little bit by, you know, the frame data knowledge necessary. But like I said, once you get past that, if you can get past that and understand it truly, the game just gets to this point where it is just like, it's so interesting because it's not even just that the, there's, the variety is good, but all the characters play really different. Honestly, they do. They play really different now. So it's, it's really yeah, impressive. They, they've done a good job of mm-hmm. undoing season one and two. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the community news over here. There's a lot of community news here. Uh, first of all, the Intel World Open has started. Uh, this has been this was the tournament that was announced to go along with the Japan Olympics. Obviously, got postponed last year because the Olympics got postponed, and so they postponed this along with it thanks to the pandemic and everything. They finally started up. It's running now, uh, covering eleven different regions with two hundred fifty thousand dollar prize pool. Uh, the registration just closed on today, actually, and the tournaments just started today. So that's going on right now. But apparently, I mean, I've like from what I've read on Twitter, it just sounds like there's a lot of like drama or weird things going on right now with the tournament. But 
you know, not, not, not that I'm trying to badmouth the tournament. I mean, I hope it runs well and everything like that. Uh, but, you know, like, what, what, what have people been talking about? Uh, well, there's issues with some of the rules. Um, okay. For example, all characters must be wearing their tracksuit costume. Uh, <laughs> another thing is you cannot play on the grid. Mm-hmm, Which, mm-hmm. that actually isn't that weird. That's been a CPT rule before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was confusion about what tournament you were allowed to join. Uh, the first set of rules that got sent out told people they can join both the East Coast and the West Coast tournament. Uh, so Rob TV did a little digging, spoke with some admins, and they said that is absolutely not true. Please pick whichever region you're closer <laughs> to and you only get to enter once. Um, so yeah, there's just been confusion with with rules uh but realistically just if you're on the east coast play on the east coast tournament you're on the west coast play on the west coast tournament if you're in the midwest good luck picking one i mean Um, how do they wear your track suit and don't play on training mode that's it how do they it's not not that hard how do they enforce that couldn't someone enter both but as different usernames you could do that in every online tournament man I mean, uh, I guess that's true. And, guess that's unless, true. unless they're asking for your like state ID and your social security <laughs> number, which they're not, people are going to cheat. I mean, that's, right. that's just, that's just how that is. But you know, for the sake of not being a jerk, hopefully people don't, not right, that many people do right. that and you know, so on and so forth. And, and realistically, man, it, Top players, like people that actually have a chance at doing that, probably aren't going to cheat anyway. <laughs> right? Because so, you'll know, whatever. you'll know right away. So yeah, it's yeah. it's going to be really obvious. So right. Um, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it too. Much. Thanks yeah, for the worry. follow. Call me Bishop. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's just been a lot of confusion with with the uh, with the rules but it seems to be hashed out and cleared up now so yeah, hopefully actually, everything goes smoothly from here you know i mean the the tracksuit one i mean i saw a lot of people being confused by that but isn't that what we expected like when the tracksuits came out like we all knew that was going to be for the intel world open right i mean that's yeah, what i assume also well the original point of those uh if i remember right capcom stated that when the Olympics came about and Street Fighter was going to be in the Olympics, right? That every country would have their own tracksuit. Every country represented oh. would have their own tracksuit in the color of their country's flag. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's not happening now. At least not at this point in in the stage, right? So yeah. why? And and none of it's being streamed until the finals, as far as I know. Right. So, so that's so why the- why why require tracksuits if you're not showing them off? Right. That's I mean, the weird I think one of the main reasons why is they can go into the replays and cold footage that way. Right. That was kind of where my mind was that they can actually find the matches. Like if someone qualifies, they can go back and also look through for their matches and show their journey through there. Of course, you could just mod the tracksuit into every costume on your PC and take care of that. But that's another story, you know. <laughs> But I think that's probably the reason why they're forcing everyone to play the tracksuit so that if you do qualify, they can call your journey, you know, through your matches and show highlights and make sure Laura isn't just all out there, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but it, it, was, it was confusing, but it seemed like people got it. 
yeah. figure it out now. So, okay. Yeah. That's but pretty much all there was. I mean, hopefully it keeps going. It keeps going. Uh, and doesn't have too many problems. Hopefully they, I mean, look, everyone thinks running a tournament is like, it's a video game. It's easy. No, it's just, it's just not. <laughs> it's just not. Um, uh, next, I want to talk about this interesting debate. This is actually really interesting to me because people have been talking about this for years now, actually, uh, about the refresh rate of your monitor and if that actually affects like input lag and input delay and this kind of stuff. And for the longest of time, people have been arguing both ways. Like, that's ridiculous. It's a 60 frame per second game. It runs on the calculation of 60 frames per second. There's no way that a monitor refresh rate can actually fix that or make that work better. Well, uh, one of our best technicians in the FGC, uh, oops, that's not the one I want to open up. I want to open up this one. Loic Pettit, a.k.a. WYDD. Uh, I think he was also the one that found the input lag for uh, Samurai Showdown. I think he was the one that they actually flew the Japanese guy to France to have him tested again. I don't remember who that was, so I'll take your word. I think it was him. Uh, but his tests show that inconclusively, I mean, no, not inconclusively, like very conclusively, that refresh rate actually makes a difference. So if you look at the top graph, this is the uh, input lag on 60 hertz, and this is the input lag on 120 hertz. And on 170 hertz, that it actually is faster. So apparently, this is a thing. So if we actually, in the FGC, want to play at the optimal input lag, we need to start getting ourselves some higher refresh, refresh monitors. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I'm just going to go ahead and say don't count on it, FGC. 240 hertz monitors, 144 hertz monitors, even 120 hertz monitors are expensive. Don't expect these to be hooked up to your PS5s at majors come, right. you know, <laughs> December or whatever yep. majors come back. Like, don't, don't, don't count on it, guys. We're going to be using right. the same old 60 hertz monitors for a long time because... That shit's expensive. Yep. So until it gets cheaper, and by that time, you know, refresh rates will be at 512 hertz. Right. <laughs> and again, so like, you know, whatever. I mean, I want to address what, you know, some people are saying in the chat. So like someone said shooters have proved, proven this for years. It was, it was very considered different for shooters because shooters could process at that rate, right? That yeah, you could actually process. When the game can actually run at... 240 frames per second <laughs> right whereas right. free fighter is locked at 60 exactly exactly so i could see why the argument was that for fighting games it wouldn't make a difference but apparently it does and uh you know i can't explain the logic on this one this is definitely an area of programming yeah, that i do not understand uh at all but um you know, high fight in the chat is saying that every all the Japanese players have moved to PC and started doing crazy hit confirms. I switched to a PC and I've been able to do better <laughs> as well. So you know, maybe well, that's the thing. So even even outside of that, we know that there is one frame less input lag on PC right. than PS4. Exactly. Exactly. So, so even yeah, even outside of you know the refresh rate in your monitor, 
automatically you're, you have a slighter a, a very slight advantage on pc mm -hmm. so yeah and uh, that makes sense to me joe uh i i can't answer that question he asked but shooter servers run a fixed tick rate right like public cs runs at 60 uh frames per second essentially i i don't know I, I, that's like, like Tubo said, that's above my pay grade. Shooter servers do run at uh, fixed. Uh, oh, they do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Matter of fact, a, a lot of CS pros, uh, at least back when I was paying attention to CSGO, would get upset if the servers they played on weren't 120 tick. Huh. Interesting. Which means it, okay. it okay. refreshes at at least 120 frames per second. It, it's nerd stuff. Don't worry about it. It doesn't have anything to do with fighting games. But yeah, that that is how that is how shooters generally work. Okay, cool. But uh, you know, I just thought that was really interesting because it's just one of those debates that you know has been around for so long, and it's good to have some conclusive evidence, uh, one way or the other. So you know, um, yeah, maybe it's something to think about in the future. Obviously. Uh, probably not something. And, and in the meantime, if I were you, I would definitely keep practicing on a 60 frame, <laughs> 60 hertz monitor, just to make sure when you yeah. go to tournaments, you don't get screwed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm putting this into the chat right now, but I wanted to highlight this article here. This is an article about uh, players of people of color in esports, in particular, black players. Uh, how they actually were some of the first pioneers of esports and how a lot of esports grew thanks to them. And the article focuses a lot on Jason Cole, which is really fascinating to me. Like, I, I was like not expecting this, but this article mostly talks about like Jason Cole and what he's doing. They mentioned the cannons being black, you know, and having and, and starting Evo. They talk right. about Ryan Hart. Uh, in this article as well. And like I said, uh, they even talk about how CPT last year was grand finals between IDOM and Punk, you know, and it's a really, it's a really nice article and it was really cool. I skimmed through it very, very quickly, but I'm definitely going to take the time to sit back and like read the whole entire thing. But it's just really neat to have this talked about because I think this is a really important topic that, yeah, a lot of, you know, competitive gaming, you know, especially from the arcade days and especially from fighting games really did start with a lot of people of color, uh, in particularly the black community. And I think that's really cool. Honestly, I think it's really cool. To I have mean, that. Fighting games in particular are kind of mm. unique that way, I think. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, a lot of esports weren't started by people <laughs> of color because, you know, in Korea, StarCraft was big, you know, right. and so and so's. Well, but fighting games have always been a very, like, mixed race driven mm. community, which is super dope. Jason Cole talks about it too. One of the longest prevailing theories about that is just that, you know, in order to play StarCraft in a lot of those games, you required you to have a really strong PC. Yeah. To be good at a fighting game, you just had to find a way to get to your local arcade and put quarters down. Yeah, but play. he had to have 25 cents. Yeah, and, and Jason Cole said, yeah, he was like, when he was growing up, you know, he couldn't rule the computer because he didn't have a PC, but he could rule the arcade. And if you were good, I mean, hell, I'll tell you right now, Alex Vaya would go to Southern Hills Golf Land play for like three hours straight and spend 50 cents 
because no one could right. get him off the damn machine, right? <laughs> like, being good meant you spent 25 cents for two hours? Like, that is the best motivation to get good ever. <laughs> and the arcade owner loves you because you're beating everybody yep. and they're trying to put quarters in to beat you. Yep. I mean, Alex Vai has largely said in the past, you know, if it wasn't for fighting games, his life could have been a very different position right now. But, you know, the fact that, you know, it helped keep him focused into that scene, you know, that's just what it is. Like being good and, and just dominating people and spending 50 cents a night for that. It's great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely take a chance to look at that article. I'll uh, uh, try to remind Casmer to get the link up for that one when he yeah, gets Yeah, Casmer. Put the link in there, Casmer. <laughs> uh, there's another article, not necessarily more like an article, but it's just a, a summary of some video interviews that Kazunoko and Dogura uh, did in talking about Guilty Gear Strive. I don't know the context on where this came from, on who, like, it says this is a tra translation of a blog post where the authors summarized their interpretations of what Kazunoko and Dogura said on their streams about Guilty Gear Strive after the second open beta. Uh, these are really cool to look at, actually, uh, hearing what Kazunoko and Dogura had to say about this. and Because they jump into a bunch of other topics as well. You know, Dogura was even talking about how, like, you know, he's just like, you know, if you hate a game, just, like... Talk about it constructively, like don't be a shitbag about it, you know, because it just, it's not helpful. He also did say that they should make sure that they always remove Zappa and never have him in the game again, which I loved. I thought that was amazing. But, you know, uh, you know, Kazunoko talks about Street Fighter V compared to Ultra Street Fighter IV and stuff. It's just really fascinating to read. I mean, Kazunoko literally says he really doesn't feel like the, he liked the first beta a lot better than the second beta, you know, and stuff like that. So it's, it's just, it's a really, really cool article to see how they feel about the whole entire thing. So uh, okay. definitely take a, take a chance to go and take a look at that. Uh, shout outs to Chatterbox KM for the subscription. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, I saw the quotes. They were funny from Dogura. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I, yeah, that, that's about as far. I just saw the Twitter quotes. Yeah, it's, it's really good stuff. Uh, also, I just want to uh, throw this out there just because this uh, speaks to my history in the fighting game community. Uh, but just recently, there was a there's a combo video creator named Artist Leo who just put out some Alpha 3 combo videos. And it's just really fascinating because it's such an old school type of combo video that used to exist from uh, like the, uh, the the like the real media days and DVDs. They would sell DVDs where it's just like here's one character exhibition of combos, you know, on kind of the slowest speed. It's all tool assisted, and they do a lot of. And they said that this is like they just learned the game. Like they didn't actually know Alpha 3 that well. And I'll tell you as somebody who does know a lot about Alpha 3, they found a lot of stuff. And it's really entertaining. It's long, two, it's like two videos of like 30 minutes each. Uh, but if you just want to see what, you know, some of the older combos looked like and stuff, check that, check that out. And, uh, it's really hard to understand how it works. If you don't understand alpha three's flipping system, you can always read my FAQ and look at the flow chart to understand when you can flip out of things and not, but you know, 
it's a really cool video. Check that out if you guys get a chance. And then I didn't even know, I mean, obviously we were talking about, you know, baby Tira and everything like that. Uh, dude, everybody in the FGC is having babies now. I didn't even know they were expecting, uh, but congratulations to Fudo and Yuka on the birth of their beautiful baby that just, uh, that just, uh, happened, I think, uh, earlier in the, in the AM today. So there you go. He, whoops, wrong one again. Here you go. There's... Uh, baby Fudo over here with his uh, with uh, the new mother and congratulations to them so that's very awesome so shout outs to Fudo and his wife Yuka uh, for birth of their child the next generation of fighting game players like we said <laughs> yeah my ace kid those kid yep. Tira Harper there's so Yeesh. many right now I mean uh, KP KP uh, KP's yeah, daughter KP. yeah <laughs> when's baby when's baby chen let's go dude i'm so far behind dude. <laughs> not even I'm i is so... your age dude what are you talking no, about no i'm not talking about age i'm just saying that i have there there's no there's no uh uh willing willing subjects at this point in time let's just put it that way <laughs> well, far, speaking of far behind, we need to move on, man. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Uh, let's talk about game news now uh, here. Uh, a lot of cool things happened. Blue Mary was announced for KOF 15. And my comment about the delay is, well, if they're delaying the game, I hope they give Blue Mary some muscles, please. <laughs> all right, <laughs> because... all right, all right. Hold on, man. You got to explain this to me. Okay. Like real, Like, real talk, I'm not trying to be offensive. But I'm also being a little offensive. Why do SNK people care that much about her muscles? It's fucking weird. Because it's like it's like jury feet lovers weird <laughs> level to me. Like, calm down, guys. It's not that big of a deal. She left the gym for a few months. Let her rock. Dude, because in all the past games, she has been so ripped. Like, that was part of her character so much. And so it, it, it sucks for a lot of the people who are fans of that to see her get Instagrammed, as, 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 uh, as Olaf likes to put it, basically. Uh, and it is kind of upsetting, especially because they gave Leona all the abs and all the muscles, you know? It's like, they obviously know how to do it. They're just not doing it for Mary for some reason. Plus, another thing, too, is the one thing that I will tell you about right now, if you are an SNK fan, you cannot be also... You can't not be obsessed with like every detail about all the characters like every time like someone will bring up something like a new silhouette comes out and they're like Oh, I bet you that's Botan. I'm just like what the hell who the hell is and like everybody who plays SNK games can tell you who Botan is Even though she's never been playable in any KOF game But like they all know like the lore of KOF oh. runs so crazy deep it's like and people just love the lore in in snk i, I it's... that's cool man i just i don't see how lore connects to this character must be muscular this character must be fat this character must like like if the, if if you care about the lore and the characters that much then let them rock. Let them be actual humans. Let them exist. <laughs> Leona can decide she wants abs, and Blue Mary can decide she wants to not go to the gym for three months. Like, <laughs> it's a pandemic, man. Let her be. <laughs> Chill. 
But it's their waifu. It's their waifus Dude, I, out there. They, I don't. I don't care. Food. No way. Let it go. It's so weird <laughs> to me. It's it's just odd, man. Like like nobody nobody got mad at Bob when Bob was skinny all of a sudden. You know, like, but that oh, was but a, the lore. But that's an alternate costume. The one exists. Fat Bob is still there, okay, right? I, guess, I cared I guess, when I Birdie know. got fat, okay? I still hate Fat Birdie. Like, I will never play Fat Birdie in my life. Thank God they I have the classic Fat costume. Birdie. Thank you, Capcom, for representation. <laughs> I love Fat Birdie. <laughs> I love Fat Thor. They should make Fat Ryu and Fat Ken, goddammit. Fat Thor is awesome. For sure. So, oh, man. All right. Okay. <laughs> Tekken 7 got a brand new patch uh, that just came out. Uh, Michael Murray uh, tweeted out all the changes and stuff. Looked like a lot of bug fixes. Some characters were definitely not touched. But there were definitely some characters that got a lot of changes. Like, I saw Heihachi got a ton of changes. Yeah, and I'm not sure. Yeah, like super buffed, right? Like, was he just bad before? I'm not even sure. I don't know, man. I'm not a techie guy. I have yeah. no idea. But Lydia definitely got a bunch of nerves because I know a lot of people were talking about her being really strong again. Uh, with a lot of, as it seems to be the case with a lot of the new characters that they drop out there. But uh, Lydia definitely got a bunch of nerves. But uh, yeah, a, a bunch of patches uh, for Tekken 7. So if you guys are still playing it, and, or if you're like tired of Lydia, that's uh, something that you can look into again. So. So Smash Bros. Final two characters. That's it. They're done. GG. Yep. That's what Sakurai said. So there's two more characters for the current season pass. And he just said that they will be the last of the DLC. And that's it. No more. And so well, these ones have got to count, man. <laughs> well, here's the thing. They already have 90 million characters. Yeah. Like, I know someone's... Actually, this is someone. I know a lot of Smashers are going to get real mad when they don't get Dante or Goku or whatever. But, like, man, I, I couldn't imagine having... See, isn't it seriously, like, 70-some characters now? 80-some characters? It's something like that. It's got to be. I can't imagine having that many characters and not being able to find one that I love. Like, <laughs> oh, if, man. Put it this way, man. If, if you're on the fence about Smash Ultimate right now and you're only going to play if... Gino from Mario RPG gets added, then you're not actually a Smash Ultimate fan. It's like true. You, you, yeah, like you. That's the final characters aren't going to affect you at all. So, good run. I mean, hats off to Nintendo. <laughs> like I, they weren't playing around when they said Ultimate. Yeah. You know, like that's 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 real talk. Dirk, Dirk the daring, Dirk the daring. Come on, do it, do it. Not it's never happening. It's never not happening. happening. Never happening. No, I that mean, man had two video games in 1962. It's done. Yeah. No, I mean, High Fight is right, though. I mean, how do you top something like this? And I don't think they're going to try. I mean, Sakurai yeah, has been talking about like he had been considered retiring before. Um, you know, I mean, at this point in time, maybe it's time for a Smash Brothers reboot. Like, try to do something significantly different with it and just have ultimate just kind of live across platforms you know they, there's rumors about the new switch coming out maybe if it's backwards compatible you just keep playing smash on it so <laughs> well, it sounded it sound to me like for the at least for the the rumors of the new switch uh that it's just an upgraded nintendo switch it doesn't seem like right, a brand yeah. new platform yeah exactly um, so i would imagine you'd be able to play those games but mm -hmm. yeah regardless i mean 
they did a great job. Sakurai should retire. You can't top that. I hope they make melee with rollback netcode on a current platform. That would be mm-hmm. cool. But I'm not counting on it. I don't think they will. So if this is like the last update to Smash ever and Smash never gets another game, I don't think you should be able to be upset about it. Like this was <laughs> a hell of a send off. I know, right? I mean, you pretty much have like the craziest game ever. And you know what? By the time people are going to be mad about it, the switch will be hacked. And I'm sure that you're going to start seeing, you know, project H project For B sure. project C project <laughs> a project, you know, L except that's now taken by riot already. So, you know, there's, there's just going to be like 7,000 mods of it at that point. So, yeah, I mean, the, the long live smash, like let's yeah. enjoy it guys. All right, so... All right, mailbag. Mailbag. Well, I typed mailbag because we only have have one mailbag question this time. What what is it? We have one mailbag question, and the question is... Let me see if I can find it over here. Ah, yes. This one was sent in by Kazmer. And Kazmer's mailbag question is... What is David's new address? And uh, the answer oh. the answer to that question is uh, he lives on Nanya and in the city of business. <laughs> that is the answer to that question. So there you go. Well, if you had his old address, it's four blocks from there. I don't know what direction, <laughs> but it's four blocks from there. I'll, I'll say he lives in Fuljigen, ha. That's what it was. Fuljigen <laughs> HA, the infamous city from the, per- the the infamous town from where the person who sent in the Shanglong code into EGM years ago. So, <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, we did it, James. Good job. Yeah. We're the best. Yeah. We should have David back again next week. But I mean, obviously, before we go, I don't know. We talked about it a little bit. Did you want to, did you have anything else that you wanted to say about the GoFundMe that you put out and yeah. everything like that? Yeah. 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 So I, I talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, but uh, on April 8th, I went to the hospital. Uh, long story short, I had extremely high blood pressure. Uh, profusely sweating dizzy i thought i was having a heart attack right i'm a i'm a fat fuck like i i thought that was it um turned out that it wasn't and i was okay but the doctors told me if i didn't get in in time that it probably would have turned into a heart attack so i made the right move going in i was stabilized i was fine i'm okay now guys but obviously that came with a lot of cost and expense um a little bit over $3,000 after I got them to pull it down as much as they could. <laughs> um, but I, I mulled over it, obviously, for a long time. It's, it's June 1st now, and I just didn't really have any other options. I couldn't afford to pay it myself, so I made a GoFundMe last night. I didn't post it. I slept on it, finally said, okay, I'll post it, and within two hours, my goal was absolutely shattered. I mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't think I was even going to hit my goal, Um so that was really cool. It's been a super emotional day for me. Uh, I feel extremely loved by everyone in the FGC. Um, a few people asked me to to keep it open. So my GoFundMe page is open. I, I implore you to not donate to it. I hit my goal. <laughs> I am like $1,500 past my goal. But if you, if you really want to donate still, 
Uh, I'm getting you the link right now, but I, I implore you, please do not. Because once again, I hit my goal. I am over $5,000. I was asking for three. So I, I there it is if you guys just want to see it. Um, but out of transparency, I, 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 two friends asked me to keep it open. Three friends asked me to keep it open. And I'm going to until about midnight, so two hours from now. Okay. And then I'm shutting it down. And I, again, I, I can't thank everyone enough. Like, I... You guys are awesome. I, I honestly, man, like it just makes me feel bad because if I didn't, like if I was just some dude and I didn't have the FGC, I'd be completely boned right now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the FGC is literally saved. Like you guys, so many stories that maybe I'll tell one day, but the FGC has literally saved my life multiple times now. And it just, mm-hmm. uh, don't change FGC. I love you so much. Yeah. I mean, I was talking about this yesterday you know, about my financial situation on my stream. And the sad truth about it is I would be perfectly fine right now and just be happy, except for the fact that you're just terrified of a medical expense. We live literally day to day with the potential of being crippled by medical expense at no control of our own. And nothing out there is helping us with it. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's such, like, like I said, there's very few things in the world that make me get as riled up as talking about this. And even the GoFundMe guy, I mean, he, it was created as an alternate to Kickstarter. He was creating his own alternate Kickstarter to fund movies and indie movies and board games and things like that. But it's turned into our country's most reliable healthcare system. You know, Wait a minute, James. Are you telling me that if a lot of people give a little bit, everyone can have their health care taken care of? Is that is that what you're telling me? I know, right? It's such a weird concept. It's Who would have ever thought? Who would have? Weird how that works. I know, right? Like it's crazy that nobody has ever suggested maybe trying to do that for the whole country. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. And, it's frustrating, and so I'm I'm really happy for you. Honestly, I'm I'm super happy for you. And again, you know, I know you mentioned it earlier, but seriously, like I know there's a lot of people out there who want to give uh, Justin Wong shit every once in a while for something he says, but you don't like the the size of that man's heart is unparalleled, and uh, the amount of donation really that he sent over to Tubo, I mean, it's just it's right there on the page. It's like Justin Wong is the man, dude. Seriously, he's an amazing human yeah. being. Yeah, Justin. Right. Justin stuck his neck out for me more than once, and he never expects anything in return. Mm-hmm. I love Justin. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, again, like I said, you can have any issues you want with him, but you can never hate the man. He cares about other people. So, shout out to Justin Wong. So, big ups to Justin, indeed. Yeah. But like I said, I'm really happy for you. I know you yeah, had struggled with the I idea really, of putting that up for a long time. You know, me, yeah. me and David had even talked about trying to do like Ultra Chen fundraisers for you and stuff like that. But I mean, obviously, you probably won't let us anymore. So. <laughs> Absolutely not. Nope. Not even one bit. I will. Yeah. If you did that, all that money would get donated to something else. Right. Exactly. A better so, cause than myself. Yeah. There you go. So again, you know, really happy for you. 
really happy that the FGC has allowed so many people to make it through a lot of these things because it's not just you as well, right? It's like we see this yeah, all no. the time. We see the help from the community all the time. So shout out to the FGC. Yeah, the FGC definitely has its warts and all that stuff like that. But in the end, you know, like Rick says, like Tokido said, you know, fighting games are something so great. And, you know, in the end, we are a community and we do stick for each other. We do stick up for each other for sure. So Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, I don't well, want to get you uh, super emotional here, Tubo. Yep. So. Yeah, I almost started <laughs> crying earlier, so let's not both cry in the same episode. Let's avoid that. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. But uh, I have All right, no guys. I've got nothing else to say at this point in time. Yeah, uh, let's just uh, fighting games or something so great, right? I mean, just whatever Rick said at the end of his interview, just that's the closing message for tonight. Casper, can you, you know, loop it back over? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Thanks, exactly. Bud. All right. Thanks, guys. And Later. we will talk to you next week on the Tuesday show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, and if you do appreciate the content we bring you, you can subscribe here on Twitch. But just make sure to give us a follow, like, and subscribe on YouTube as well. Peace out. Have a good night. Pardon. Thank you.